And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. <laughs> welcome back from the holidays. My name is Dave McHugh, host of Hoopsville, and we hope you had a great holiday and Happy New Year. We are back on the air after unexpected, what was it, three weeks off, I believe it was? One, two, and three. Yeah, three weeks. We were supposed to go two and a half. Got uh, absolutely uh, exhausted with everything going on around the holidays. Fell into the weather a little bit as well, so we ended up canceling the last Sunday show of December back on the 20th. Um, but we're back, uh, and there is plenty to talk about in men's and women's basketball. A thrilling D3Hoops.com classic was played. Um, there was plenty of other action going on around the country. Um, plenty to go through, and so we will do that here tonight as best we can. I mean, let's be honest. It's gonna. There's a lot to talk about. We may not cover it all, but we will certainly do our best, to say the least. Um, if you want to interact with us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Those are how, those are the easy ways to interact with us. You can even interact with us if you want, um, by, uh, joining us in the, uh, um, in the chat room on YouTube. If you happen to be directly on our show page, if not, no worries. You know how to interact with us. We hope you will take advantage of that as well. Um, when we left you, we had a number of guests that we were planning on coming on the show. Uh, they aren't on this week's show that I'm aware of. Uh, I have to go double check where my list is, but we have plenty to talk about in the coming months. Let's, let's, uh, do some, uh, basic business as it were surrounding division three. We are now into January. We are now pretty much into conference season. There are a few schools who may still have some out of conference games left, whether they're filling in a conference by um, whether they're filling in, um, uh, you know, maybe the conference is a little lighter on games, and so they're filling those items in. Uh, lots of different things there here and there to fill in. So it may not all be conference, but it pretty much will be all conference uh, and, and did as of yesterday, uh, as of this weekend, starting conference play for many schools. Uh, but if they haven't started, they will in about the next week. I don't think off the top of my head there's anybody who doesn't, isn't going to be in fully into conference play by the by next weekend. Um, again, there may be an occasional game here and there, and a conference that has an extra buy or something along those lines. Um, but there's plenty of uh, possibilities here and there between now and then. So anyway, everybody getting into conference play certainly makes things more interesting. Uh, saw our friend um, uh, Cam. Uh, he posted his uh, um, night slappy. I think it was posted his. <laughs> Um, SOS numbers already, if you can believe it. Way too early to be talking SOS, in my opinion. Um, SOSs do not have enough data right now to really give you an idea of what's going on. First and foremost, they may tell you kind of what the out-of-conference schedule for a lot of schools looks like. Granted, they played some conference games, which is going to skew that SOS a bit more. Um, secondly, or secondly, I should say, as you get into conference action, some teams may emerge that are better than we thought, or that you know, there's so many variables, and we're not even halfway through. Technically, we are not halfway through the season. Uh, we have uh, a couple teams that have played 11, maybe 12 games so far this season. Um, that is about half the 25, but some of them have not. Uh, some have played eight, maybe seven or eight, nine games. So we're at the, we're near the halfway point, but we're not quite there. 
Um, and really, I'd like to see us past halfway. I, won't, I almost want to see two-thirds to three-quarters of the season you know, in the books, which is why the regional rankings don't come out until the end of January, to truly understand that SOS number a little bit better. Um, nonetheless, uh, he, he posted it. It was rather interesting to read, uh, at least for me. As far as top 25s, it was crazy this week, uh, This the last few weeks since the last poll. The last poll came out um, on um, um, 13th of December. I thought one was going to come out on the 20th. I apologize to anybody who listened to the show, watched the show, listened to the podcast, said one coming out the 20th. I, I just kind of thought there would be one. The beginning of the season's a little weird this year, We just the way it's structured that um, we didn't vote. Uh, but we will vote next week, and we will vote all the way up until the NCAA tournament with one more coming after the NCAA tournament as well. Um, the top 25s had a lot of results, and we had a lot of results against top 25 teams this this last three weeks. Let's let's just quickly look on the women's side of things, for example. Amazingly, the top four unscathed. Um, Thomas Moore played a total of four games and won all of them. Easily, uh, not one of them was close, including thumping Illinois Wesley in 92-69 and thumping number 11 Calvin 85-69. Amherst only played two games, won them both. George Fox played three games, four games, three games, won them all. I got to see them in action against Carthage and Bethel. Um, um, good games. Some of them were tighter than their scores indicated, believe it or not. NYU won both. Oshkosh had a rough holiday season. They beat Ripon and then lost to Wartburg and St. Thomas. We'll talk about that um, tournament coming up here shortly with Wartburg's head coach. Three top ten teams all at Wartburg, and it was Wartburg who won it all. We'll talk to their head coach coming up, but Oshkosh, you know, a little bit of a tailspin there, losing to Wartburg by 11 and then losing, going on to lose to uh, St. Thomas by 11 as well. Hope had a very good uh, holidays, beating five teams. To go 12 and 0 now. Wash U split. Interesting enough, lost to Loris 80 to 71. That one's going to have a lot of Wash U fans kind of scratching their heads. We mentioned uh, the Wartburg tournament. Wheaton was there. They defeated St. Thomas, then lost to Wartburg, and then followed that up with a loss to Augustana. So Wheaton struggling a little bit with two losses of their three now. Montclair State lost both uh, games this holiday season. They lost to Lebanon Valley, and then they lost to Rochester. Uh, that's going to be a surprise. St. Thomas, as we mentioned, lost to, to Wheaton and then came back and beat Oshkosh. Calvin uh, lost to St. Thomas, then lost to Capital. We'll be talking to Capital's head coach, Coach Jeffers, coming up here shortly as well. Uh, Whitewater got out unscathed, winning four games. Texas Tyler lost their first Division three games, second overall. Uh, they lost to Harden-Simmons, Letourneau. Uh, beat, I should say, Harden, Simmons, Letourneau, and then lost to Austin before beating Texas Lutheran and then Trinity, Texas. And I apologize, Tra- Texas Dallas, uh, Texas Tyler lost their first game, period. It was Trinity, Texas, who lost their first Division Three game. Muhlenberg hasn't played in about three weeks. <laughs> They're idle. Uh, New- University of New England lost both their games. Lost both their games this this holiday season over Whitewater and Concordia. Williams lost to Whitman. Maybe not a huge surprise there, though Whitman wasn't ranked. That's Williams' only lost. Uh, Trinity, Texas, we mentioned, lost to Texas Tyler. Maryville lost to Emory. uh, And then Luther lost to Stevens Point and Whitewater. 
That's all in the top 25. I mean, so a lot of losses on the women's side and then even more losses in those receiving votes. We'll keep an eye on that. On the men's side, uh, about as much carnage. Augustana escaped the the, um, the holiday season with no losses, though I do mean escape. They beat McMurray, Puget Sound, Lewis and Clark, and George Fox, beat Oshkosh, Edgewood, and Wheaton, but barely got past Wheaton, barely got past Oshkosh uh, as well. Uh, Whitworth won their three games. I got to see them in action. Pretty good squad there, folks. Amherst lost to Rhodes today, 70, uh, 76-69. So Amherst taking their first loss of the season at number three. Hope won all four of its games. Hanover, uh, Grace Bible, Messiah, and Beloit. St. Thomas won all their games. Elmers lost their, won their three games. Benedictine lost or won all of its games. They are now 12-0, and those were one, two, three, four, five games, and they won four. Uh, they are now 5-0 against the CCIW. Benedictine might be just as good as we think they are. Marietta lost to John Carroll. Christopher Newport lost to Scranton. Franklin and Marshall lost to Carnegie Mellon. Um, Franklin and Marshall's head coach, Glenn Robinson, now two wins away from 900 after beating Misericordia. East Texas Baptist lost two games, including Texas Lutheran and Concordia, Texas. Virginia Wesleyan lost to Mary Washington. They're now 7-4, and four, though... That's good to see because they won two more after that, including a come-from-behind victory over Emory. Stevens Point lost to St. Thomas. No surprise there, except that they only put up 38 points uh, before then going to win the last four games. I think they played them in something like a week. Edgewood, um, Keene State, and Hamilton were the next three games. I should say those four total were in about a week's time span. Whitewater, uh, who's ranked, um, won all of their games. Wash U lost to Wittenberg. Um, Chicago won all of its games. St. Norbert lost to Alma. Remember we talked about Alma on this show uh, a few weeks ago. Keep an eye on Alma. Babson lost to Bates in the only game they played this holiday, and Texas Lutheran lost to Illinois Wesleyan, beat Alma, then lost to Texas Tyler before beating East Texas Baptist and Southwestern. Good luck, voters, on figuring out Texas Lou. Receiving votes, plenty of losses in there as well. We mentioned the Wartburg women's coach is going to be coming on. Bob Amsbury is going to be on the show. Also coming up, Capitals women's basketball coach Dixie Dixie Jeffers will be on the show. Uh, we'll talk to her about the great start the Capitals has had. They've been in and out of the top 25. Also talk to her about hosting the women's f- semifinals coming up this season. Uh, on the men's side of things, we will talk to um, Susquehanna men's basketball coach Frank Marcinic. Um, Susquehanna is undefeated. It was a 12-0. Unbelievable start to the season for the Crusaders. Best ever start since 93 when they started 8-0. So a better start, obviously, than 93 when they started 8-0. But 12-0 are the Crusaders. We'll talk to Susquehanna's coach, Frank Marcinic. They just won uh, won another conference game. They are 3-0 in conference. Those coaches' polls at the beginning had Catholic winning the landmark and Susquehanna finishing second. Well, Catholic struggling. They're 8-4, struggling by their standards. On the other side of that, though, Susquehanna is undefeated, so clearly the the coaches knew who to watch out for on the men's and women's or uh, in the landmark side of things. So lots to, to and then we're going to kind of rehash a couple of the interviews we did at the D3Hoops.com Classic. We interviewed 15 coaches. You're not going to hear 15 coaches here. Well, by no means. And actually, I should say we interviewed 15 teams. Some of them were student athletes, not coaches. Not going to hear all 15, but I did pick out three of them that I thought were most interesting. We'll hear from UW Stouts coach. On the men's side of things, only because it's a great perspective of the WIAC and a perspective of Wisconsin coaching in general. We'll talk to him, or you'll hear his interview coming up. you also hear from uh, Calvin's men's basketball, Kevin Vandestreek. Fascinating points of view, including about the committee. 
And we'll hear from Bathville's women's basketball coach, uh, Coach uh, Herb Ricksmeyer, uh, just because it was a fascinating point of view to hear from him one-on-one. They played George Fox and lost. We'll hear from him. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. Again, you can interact with us. Uh, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Uh, of course, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. As well, we hope you're enjoying the show. Also, hope you enjoyed the the high definition when it worked uh, from the, the South Point Arena in the in the D3Hoops.com Classic. Uh, we had some trouble on the second day, the day of four games, but once we, we figured it out the next day, we were free and clear for the last 10, and it looked pretty good. We hope you enjoyed it as well. We're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll get going with our interviews, but um, lots going on in Division Three, and obviously now we kind of get into the groove. You know, we started in November, we kind of distracted with football season and and um, other seasons still going on. We're kind of getting our feet wet. There wasn't a real start date while it was the 13th. Some teams didn't start for a full week. Some started halfway through. Some teams only played a game in about a week. It didn't feel like a regular start to the season. Then we had the Thanksgiving break. Then we got in December, and everybody has to take at least seven days off, if not longer, for school mandates. And so you get breaks in the action. Now we're in it. We are in it now. And January kicks it all off. Conferences get going. Things get moving. Uh, nobody really has a break after this point. We go straight through the end of March, or, or three weeks into March, um, pretty much. Without a break, we will keep rolling and rolling, as it were. Of course, women's basketball will go into the beginning of April with their championship game 16 days after they play the semifinals. But that's just two teams. So this is it, folks. We're on the we're cruising now. Uh, a couple of housekeeping items. Don't forget, we'll have the Hoopsville Marathon coming up at the end of January. The last Thursday in January is the schedule right now. That will be the 28th of January. We'll get you ready for that final push into February. Regional rankings will come out, I believe, actually in February this year will be our first regional rankings, and that is when we will have them. We may not get them, I think, until the 10th. One, two, three, yeah. I believe we won't get our first regional rankings until February 10th, believe it or not. Just the wackiness of the calendar this year. Uh, we will announce teams in the NCAA tournament on Leap Day, February 29th this year. The championships will get going on the 3rd and 4th of March. You back time, that means regional rankings. First ones we will see of the three that are made public will be February 10th. So quite a bit of time. But we will talk to uh, committee chairs, we hope, out then as well. A couple other housekeeping notes. This Thursday coming up um, on the show, we will not be live. We'll post a show, though. We will do interviews and get them posted. I have a, another commitment that evening, and so I can't be live on the 7th, but we will post a show at 7 o'clock Eastern time uh, so look for that. It will be posted accordingly. The following week on the 14th will not be live at all unless plans change. Right now we plan to go to the NCAA convention, and that means we'll be heading out of town about the 13th. Our goal would be to, again, put some interviews together and put that uh, available for you on the 14th. We will see basketball games while at the NCAA convention, which means the show on the 17th will probably be either live from a hotel room or some other locale. <laughs> or something. We will figure that out when we get closer to the 17th. Then we're back in action on the 21st and rolling from there. Like we said, we're planning to do the marathon on the 28th, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's some housekeeping for you regarding this show coming up this season. Again, if you have any questions, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, 
facebook.com slash hoopso. We hope you're enjoying the show. We hope you are tuning in. And and uh, coming up, we'll talk to Wartburg's men's ba- women's basketball coach, Bob Amsbury. Then we'll talk to Capitals women's basketball coach, Dixie, Dixie Cheffers. Then following that, on um, uh, we will talk to um, Susquehanna men's basketball ca- coach, Frank Marcinic. Then we'll recap the d3hoops.com classic. That's all coming up here on the show. And again, we hope you interact with us. And if you've missed it and you're listening to the podcast, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to do that as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Bob Amsbury from Wartburg joins us. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying uh, this show as we're back on the air after a few weeks of being off. Uh, again, as always, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We even have a chat room alongside our YouTube window. If you happen to be in there directly, we'll keep track of it. Not usually that popular, but we'll do our best to keep track of it there if you have questions, etc., etc. Playing a cover, and obviously we are now into our Really going to start our groove of Sundays and Thursday shows from here on out. Um, we mentioned at the beginning of the show. We'll mention it throughout the show. Thursday's show will be pre-taped, as I have another obligation on Thursday. We'll have a couple of those Thursdays this month where they'll be pre-taped. We'll make up for it with the marathon show coming up here um, in a few weeks. Needless to say, let's get to our guests um, as we're rolling. In. And one of the stories that certainly garnered attention while we were off air was the Warburg women, 10-1 and one on the season two top 10 victories uh, in their last two games over number five Oshkosh and number eight Wheaton in games that scoring wise 
Looks like Wartburg was in control. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean they were, but the team is off to a terrific start, and we'll start conference play coming up here uh, in a few days. So we figured we'll we might as well talk to their head coach. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is Bob Amsbury for the, uh, from Wartburg. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, congratulations to the Knights. 10-1 start, best since 2010-11, I believe it was, when it was 14-0. That's not too shabby. Yeah, we're pretty pleased with where we are. We had a we had a nice little week last week. Yeah, you think? Um, <laughs> to say the least, you had a nice little week. You get the win over Oshkosh, sixty five fifty six. We'll get to the rest of the season, but obviously this is the one that's making news. And of course, you know that wasn't the only top uh, team there. St. Thomas was there, and then of course you went on to beat Wheaton as well. Um, you know this is this is one this was one heck of a tournament at your neck of the woods. You guys were the only team not ranked. Yeah, there for a while I wondered if we should bring in a fourth team to, and we could just sit there and watch. <laughs> As it turned out, um, yeah, I, we wanted to bring in good competition, uh, which we were able to do, and and always look for a really, really a, a good challenge prior to us starting conference play here in January. So um, it, it was fun to bring in a, a tournament of that caliber of, of that caliber. Um, you know, teams that I all res- I respect all all of them and their coaches, and so it was a good environment. Yeah, number five again, Oshkosh, number eight, Wheaton, and number ten, St. Thomas. And St. Thomas is the one who comes out of there zero and two. If ever there was an, a tournament to come out of zero and two, and they'd probably be okay with it, might be this one. Well, um, they, oh, they've actually St. Thomas beat Oshkosh. Oh, did they? Day two. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, oh, you're right. I mis- Yeah, I misread it. I was reading Oshkosh's schedule. Uh, and saw that they had a loss. In reality, I was I was backing it into St. Thomas. You're right. It went the other direction. Um, so Oshkosh came out of that. Oh, and two. But let's go back to your Oshkosh game. Um, you know, you get a 11 point victory. Um, you dominated on the boards, um, 43 to 39. You guys shot nearly 50 percent. You shot. Uh, nearly 39% from beyond the arc, while they shot 30% from the floor and 27% from the arc. Did it basically come down to shooting? What were you guys doing? Was this defensively that was forcing them into bad shots, or was it just everything bounced your way? You know, I I, I really felt like we defended uh, as well as we have all year, and that's been a major focus for us. Um, we're pretty talented, and we can score the ball in a lot of ways. And I've, I've told our team all year long that if we really commit to the defensive end that that we're going to be a tough team to beat, and and our Oshkosh game really showed us that um, we committed on that end, and our our players did a tremendous job of following the game plan and staying committed to that, and and really we won on on that end of the floor. What's really interesting is that you uh, you know you they shot sixty five times to your forty three, they took thirty three threes compared to your 13 they didn't get that many offensive boards just six in the game but you guys did have a few more turnovers than they did so certainly they were shooting a ton um and defensively you guys were keeping them uh, from getting many extra opportunities um but this wasn't like it was a, a a blowout in any way it was a close game most of the way it was close um you know i think the other discrepancy in in field goal attempts is we we were able to get to the line a lot. Sure. Um, we went 27 times to their eight. So, um, you know, that that probably is the discrepancy in field goal attempts. But, you know, I, I was pleased with how we were able to 
to jump on them early. We got off to a nice little start yeah. and built some confidence. And then locked in on the defensive end, and um, and then we made free throws at the end of the game when when they were trying to extend it. And and so I was just proud of how we, you know, I think we've grown up a lot um, from this time last year, and we're still playing a lot of young kids, and to see them be able to close that game out um, made for a happy coach for sure. No, I'm sure. And of course, it it the confidence out of that game transitioned right into the Wheaton game. You beat Wheaton by six, including scoring 25 in the third quarter. Though you had to hold on as they rallied in the fourth. Um, the shooting, good shooting, continued 43 and a half percent in the from the field, 50. 52% from beyond the arc, 13 to 25. Uh, good free throw shooting at 70%. They only got to the free throw line six times, though they took 60 shots to your 55, and they shot pretty well from outside. That's two games in a row, only 14 trips to the line. Is this a, a good defensive battle for you guys? Or maybe, <laughs> I hate to ask, where the reps certainly maybe uh, playing in your favor. And I don't mean that they're playing in your favor. I just mean right. the calls kind of went your way a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I thought we did a very good job of defending without fouling. Um, you know, this was a it was a much different game than our Oshkosh game. Um, in the Oshkosh game, we we really had uh, our post play was was exceptional, and then in the Wheaton game, Wheaton really tried to take away Kaylee Cladavo in our inside game, and it opened it up on the perimeter, and and so we were able to to knock down a lot of threes, as were they. Um, there for a while, you know, I think in the third quarter, it just seemed like it was a three-point <laughs> shooting contest. We'd hit a big one, that hit a big one. And, um, but it was, a, it was a fun game to be a part of from that aspect. Well, again, that leaves you guys 10-1 and one on the season. Your only loss is to Elmer's back on the 28th of November. Um, you've had some pretty dominating wins. You've had some solid wins. Obviously, these are the two biggest wins with those three teams in your arena. Um, and you then take a little time off before heading into Dubuque. That's got to be the perfect uh, kind of jump start to the season with a with a big conference foe coming up. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and when we we play this tournament every year, and I like to bring in as as good a competition as we can um, to get ready for our conference play. Um, but Dubuque's not going to be any easy task. They mm-hmm. won our league last year, yep. and. It's always a tough place to play over there. They're well coached, and and so we we've really got to stick to, really stick to the process, um, not get too far ahead of ourselves. Well, yeah, Dubuque last year, seventeen and nine overall, eleven and three in the conference. Obviously, no conference games have started. Dubuque is five and six. Um, pretty much everybody's above five hundred except for Dubuque and Central, uh, and Dubuque's just a, a hair under. Of course, Luther is in is in the mix as well. Luther's eight and two, or eight and three, I should say. Coe's in the mix at nine and two overall. Simpson and Loris are off to good seasons. What do you make of this conference as you now look at your first conference game and 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 the conference schedule ahead? Dave, I think this might be the best this league's been um, since I've been here. This is my tenth year at Warburg. Um, I mean, it's really good. Obviously, we had our two big wins over the week last week and then Loris the next day knocked off Wash U and Chicago a couple days after that and, and as you said Luther and Co are off to very good starts. Um yeah, I think the Iowa conference is as good as any team in the in the country. Um those those four teams I think that we mentioned would fare very well against anyone and and 
Then, then you mentioned Dubuque and Central. You know, those are two teams that have knocked off some of our top teams in in previous years as well. And I, and so we really can't take off a night um, in our league, or we're going to get beat. So it's it it, it makes for a great league. Um, you, you just really have to show up every day and go to work. And the D3Hoops.com Top 25 that last came out uh, back in mid-December, and obviously we'll get a new one tomorrow. Luther's the only team in the conference getting any love at 25. They're 8-1, and one, getting 54 points. I highly suspect that will be changing um, come Monday when you guys get two, obviously with two top 10 victories uh, on your plate uh, and much more. But, what, you know, this IIAC is hard to read. I mean, it's it's been a, a fickle beast, as it were especially on the women's side over the last few years. Is this a changing of the guard a little bit? Are we seeing um, better play out of this conference, especially at the top, than we've seen in years past? Well, I think if you go back a few years, um, you know, we had Simpson and Luther several years ago, um, Coe a few years ago. Those those teams were at least getting to the Sweet 16. And, um, you know, I think last year our league was extremely young, and now we're all growing up a little bit. And, and I do think that we do beat each other up a little bit too much mm. uh, in most years. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think our league is really good this, sh- this year. Um, and as I said, it, it was young last year, and, and I thought we had some really good showings. And, and sometimes when talent meets experience, mm-hmm. um, some big things can start to happen, and I, I think that's happening in our league. Talking with Bob Amsbury here. Warburg women's basketball team is 10-1 and overall. Coaches 285 and 201 in his 10th season. Of course, 15 wins away from 300. Coach, don't worry, I won't ask you what that's like because we don't know when you're going to get to it. We don't want to put your mind that far ahead. Uh, but let's talk about your team. You only have two seniors on the squad. Yes, they're major contributors. But this is a young squad. There isn't one junior listed on the roster it is two seniors and then sophomores and freshmen, and you're ten and one. The, the The future for the Knights certainly looks good. It does. Um, you know, Kaylee Platavo uh, is our senior center, mm-hmm. and she's a dynamic player. Um, she's a first team All Conference returnee. Um, she and and her classmate Bobby Burrows mm-hmm. um, was second team All League last year. They complement each other very, very well. Um, Kaylee's our inside show, and then Bobby can really stretch the defense. Um, is a tremendous three-point shooter, and and those two lead us um, both on the floor and off the floor. They've, they've done a tremendous job. And then, as you mentioned, we have no juniors. Um, <laughs> the the rest of our rotation is a bunch of sophomores um, that are really, really talented. Um, and they they got some experience last year um, in a in a year that was a year of growth really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean they're they're really talented, um, but we do you know of those kids those are we do return our six leading scores from last year. So we were we were freshman heavy last year, and those, yeah. those players have grown up a little bit and are playing really well right now. You, know, you talk about uh, Kaylee and you talk about Bobby, uh, the two seniors on the squad. Uh, um, Kaylee, you know, 15 points a game, eight rebounds a game, um, 10 blocks in the game, second on the team, uh, shoots 54% from the floor, 72% from the line. Bobby, on the other hand, um, she has hit 37 total shots, 28 of them from beyond the arc. 
She's 41.6 from the floor and 41.2 from the three-point line. You do not want to get into a shooting war with her. And she also shoots 86% from the free-throw line while averaging 10.5 points and four rebounds. You know, that's a heck of a dynamic duo. But then these sophomores fill in the holes. I mean, Katie Summer, uh, 12 points a game. Morgan uh, Neendorf, uh, 9 points a game. Uh, Miranda Murphy, 8.5 points a game. Christie's twin si- or Kaylee's twin, tris- twin sister, Christy, we'll talk about in a minute, 8.5 points a game. And plus a whole mess of other players who are averaging 4 points um, as well. You know, this is a deep team. When, you've got three players in double figures and three more with eight points or more. You've got a lot of scoring threats. Yeah, and you know, I, I kind of alluded to it um, at the start, of the start of the interview that we can score it in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, Kaylee certainly scores inside, but we've got other, a lot of other threats. And in a lot of ways, teams kind of have to pick their poison against us. If they want to try to take away Kaylee, we can really extend it from the perimeter. And I think we're shooting about 38% from three-point range, and, and it's a pretty good combination. Of course, you're outscoring your opponents by 15 points a game roughly right now. Uh, that's not too shabby, holding them to 35% from the floor and 25% from beyond the arc. Um, and that certainly helps as well, and you're out-rebounding your opponents. All good stats, any coach will tell you. But I love the little twist with your sophomores. You got two sets of twins on this team. Um, you got the Summer sisters and the Murphy sisters, and you were telling me before the air they're not identical. So at least that's easy for you. I can tell them all apart. Which, <laughs> although I'll tell you, Dave, the older I get, I, I call all of them by their own name. So. <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do with telling them apart, right? <laughs> no, nothing to do with that. So um, it is a unique um, little twist to our team, and. And, you know, a lot of teams talk about being a family and, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And, and we're probably as close to that as you can, you can get, literally, um, with two sets of twins. And, um, but, but, you know, it's, it's those, those kids play so well together. They, they know what each sure. other's going to do. And, um, you know, the, they hold each other accountable, which we're, we're trying to get them to do with each other, you know, with everyone else. And, um, you know, it's, it really is a blessing to have, um, really more of a family atmosphere, um, with, with those two sets of sisters. Yeah. I mean, you got 16 players, four of them are sisters. Yeah. And one fourth of your team is literally family. Um, it it takes on a different dynamic, but does that make recruiting easier or harder? Is this one of those where you can just, you can convince one of them and the both will come or is it? double down on on the recruiting um scenarios and trying to get both of them to come to your school well you know i think these two were you know both sets were were planning on going to the same place we're we're wanting to play together as long as as long as they could really figure out where they wanted to go so um it, it certainly made recruiting um a little bit easier on both of them because we could go to one game and see them both <laughs> um, but it, it's an interesting deal when they're when they're coming down to decision time. Um, you know, as a coach, you got you, you're thinking, well, which one of them do I have to get? You know, yeah, um, because there's there's going to be influence both ways. So, uh, but we were certainly blessed to land both sets of those girls. They're tremendous kids. They're tremendous players. Um, a lot of fun to be around, and and obviously really talented. 
Um, interesting, your history, uh, you started your head coaching career at Rockford uh, on the women's side. You had had some other mm-hmm. assistant uh, careers, but you started at Rockford in 97. Uh, they were in the middle of a 70-game losing streak uh, when you <laughs> took over. I'm sure that was the attractive job du jour. Um, but, man, you, you turned them around. They ended up under your uh, under your tenure with four bids to the NCAA tournament, won the regular season in the NAFCON or really it was the NIIC then at the time. Right, um, right. You know, regular season and tournament title three times. I mean, that's. I mean, that that should get you any job you you darn want. Well, I don't know about that, Dave, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you this: I'm I'm in a job right now that that I wouldn't trade for any place in the world. Um, you know, Warburg's an an unbelievable place, and. Um, uh, I, I, I'm proud of what we did at Rockford, and you know I, I'll never trade those days for anything. It was a lot of fun to snap a 70-game losing streak, and then two seasons later be in the NCAA tournament, and you know that's experience that that I'll ha- always have, cherish, and um, they were really good to me. But the opportunity to come to Warburg and do some special things here, um, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Um, of course, you ended up uh, having the best winning percentage and the most wins, or something like that, in the in the thirty four year program of the history. And they, you know, they're still in the mix uh, ever since leaving them. Of course, you know this conference well. You're a graduate of Buena Vista, um, so you certainly know this region, and maybe not the conference per se, but you certainly know the region awfully well. Does that help? Does that? Uh, yeah, it helps. I mean, I've, you know, I guess I've been here ten years, so I'd, I'm pretty familiar with the conference, the region, um, and, you know, getting back to Iowa, I think, um, was great for our family and, and knowing a little bit about Iowa, you know, before I came helped sure. us kind of get jump started. And, um, I knew where the good basketball was and, and thankfully <laughs> we've got, we've got a lot of really good basketball with a hundred, within a hundred miles of our campus. And so we try to recruit, um, a lot locally, um, which which provides a lot of support for our program. You know, fans are showing up, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas. You know, and that's I think really important. Um, and then we we can supplement, the, you know, our little circle here with players from a little bit further away. And um, but the majority of our roster is Iowa kids, um, and we feel like if we can do well in Iowa, there's there's enough talent here in our state that. We can be very, very good. Uh, you got Dubuque ahead. It's going to be on the road. Then you uh, start conference play at home against Central. What's the message to the team coming off of two big wins and now entering uh, into the fray, as it were? Yeah, you know, the big thing for us is we just need to s- stick with the process and not really get ahead of ourselves. I think that, you know, this season um, we're off to a great start, no question about that. Um but a lot of that started a year ago, mm-hmm. and it was it was important for for us to you know especially as young as we are to to go through some tough times last year um, through experience and and you know I think our I think we started eight and zero last year and then we got it we went up to St Thomas and got steamrolled by a <laughs> really really good team and yeah. and but but that was good for us and and we learned that there's there's a whole different level um that we need to attain to and and 
then we got into conference play last year and really struggled out of the gate. Um, so we know that going into league play, starting at Dubuque on Wednesday, is not going to be easy. Um, that we need to to continue to commit on the defensive end and go to work every day um, because we know that our league is very very good. Well, it's certainly going to be fun to watch uh, what the Knights do here the rest of the way. Obviously, Dubuque ahead as we mentioned uh, before, then taking on. Uh, um, Central in conference action, um, Coach. We always give the final word to the to the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Dave, I just want to say thanks to you guys um, with Hoopsville and the D three Network, D three Hoops. Um, you guys are tremendous. Um, the coverage that you give us and our our players and athletes. Um, D three is a big deal. And you guys make it a big deal, help make it a big deal. And I, th- I think all of us really appreciate that. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. Good luck uh, in the new year, as it were. Um, obviously, with the big games coming up ahead, we're looking forward to seeing the Knights maybe ranked tomorrow, but more importantly, having a good rest of the season. Sounds great, Dave. All right, appreciate take it. care. Coach Happy Bob. New year. You too. Coach Bob Hamsbury joining us here on Hoopsville. Again, the team off to a 10-1 and start, best since 2010-11 when they started 14-0. and They've got Dubuque and Central ahead. It's all conference action the rest of the way. Keep an eye on the Knights. Keep an eye on the IIEC. It's certainly going to be fun to watch. I think we got a couple teams out of there that, are going to make, uh, that we're going to be talking about in late February and talking about at-large bids possibly as well. When we come back, we'll continue uh, Hoopsville here uh, on the first one of the new year. Again, you can interact with us at on Twitter at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Interact with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville or email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Uh, plenty more ahead. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying uh, this show as we're back on the air after a few weeks of being off. 
Uh, again, as always, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We even have a chat room alongside our YouTube window. If you happen to be in there directly, we'll keep track of it. Not usually that popular, but we'll do And we're back with Hoopsville. Not sure what happened there with our pre-recorded interview with uh, with uh, Wartburg there. Clearly something got screwed up. It's probably our New Year's gremlins. We take about half the studio apart before we get going into uh, for Stagball and then D3Hoops.com. And half might be an exaggeration, but we take a good chunk of it apart. And then we put it back together again. Uh, and I think I've, even on the computer, had a couple gremlins in there that I just haven't worked out. We'll uh, keep to work on them. At least, uh, you know, Thursday's show will be pre-taped and then... Uh, next Sunday we'll be back on the air. We'll have a week to work off the live gremlins, as it were. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, now time to talk to another coach who's having a pretty darn good season. Uh, and it's coming out of the Great Lakes where there's been a lot of good basketball so far this season on the men's and women's side. Uh, certainly if you want to see some good basketball, you might want to head into Ohio, Indiana, and Michigan for all we know. Um, but at the same time, this school is going to be hosting a pretty big tournament uh, set of games coming up in March. All of that, a topic of conversation here today as we get ready for one of my favorite names in Division Three basketball. It is Dixie, Dixie Jeffers from Capital Women's Basketball. Coach, are you there? I'm here. Good. She joins us successfully on the D3Hoops.com Um on the Hoopsville, I should say, hotline coach. First and foremost, congratulations on the starts of the season. Ten and two out of the gate. Yeah, a little bump in the road. We'll talk about that. But uh, you got to be thrilled, especially after the last couple of years where you guys have not had the seasons you're used to. Well, we've been at a lot of injuries and so forth, mm-hmm. and we finally got a veteran team that is responding like a veteran team, even with a couple of the bleeps along the way. We're playing some pretty good basketball right now. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, start the season with uh, six straight wins over Bridgewater of Virginia, um, Eastern Mennonite, Monoliosis, Ohio Wesleyan, Whitburg, and Wilmington. Uh, of course, uh, then you guys hit the bump in the road in Mount Union and Ohio Northern, and then I've rattled off four straight since then. Let's talk about that bump in the road, Mount Union and Ohio Northern. Of course, the OAC is not as easy. I don't know if it's ever been easy, but it's not easy <laughs> at all in any general sense of the term right now. Uh, and of course, you ran into two of the two of the tougher opponents right there in Ohio Northern and Mountain Union. Well, we we uh, were a little war- road wor- weary. We were down in Virginia, and that was a long road trip for us. We got back, and then you have to go to Mount Union, then you turn around and have to go to Ohio Northern, yeah. which aren't easy places to play. And we didn't handle environments very well, and. We took the losses, and we've regrouped to, to get things headed in the right direction. Absolutely. Uh, of course, it's sometimes a bump of the road. It's sometimes a perfect thing for the team to kind of refocus themselves, as we said. Won four in a row after that in conference against Otterbein, John Carroll. Then uh, took your holiday break and then played Misericordia and then got a big win over Calvin. Uh, Calvin squad, who probably would love to see the holidays disappear, in all honesty. Um, but that's a nice little holiday run for you guys right there. That right through that December, through that final stretch, you got a couple of solid wins there and obviously got that win in conference, et cetera, et cetera. I think every team goes through some type of, of loss. And uh, for most teams, I think it's uh, early January to mid-January for some reason. Um, I'm hoping ours was December and it's out of the way <laughs> and that we can 
start January 9th and get through January and February, also a good start here. Absolutely. Uh, of course, Baldwin-Wallace, <laughs> speaking of tough teams in the conference, uh, looming on the 9th. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, but you guys are sitting uh, right in the middle of the fray. Uh, Ohio Northern on top, 4-0. Baldwin-Wallace, 4-1. Mount Union, 3-1. You guys are tied at 3-2 and with Marietta and Heidelberg. Um, I don't see anybody who's having a bad season. Uh, there's Muskegon's at four and eight, Heidelberg and Wilmington at five and seven. Everybody else above five hundred and well above five hundred. How is this OAC going to work itself out this year? You know that that's a let's roll the dice and find that one out. Uh, <laughs> this conference from one through ten is as balanced as it's been probably in fifteen years. It might be the most balanced I've seen in my my thirty years spent at Capital. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have a night off. And everybody's going to play their best game um, at home, obviously. So you've got to try to, to maintain at home and try to steal some on the road. And those who can steal the most on the road is probably going to win our conference. We had three teams with 20 wins last season, um, four teams in double-digit victories. Uh, half the, the conference finished above 500, which is about right. Uh, Ohio Northern, John Carroll, Baldwin-Wallace, Capital, uh, all in the mix of things. And, of course, this year it's it's almost a carbon copy, though you've got a, a few extras like Mountain Union who have re, reemerged, as it were. Um, if you guys can't win this conference, who do you think can pull it off? And, granted, we're early here. A lot of basketball to be played. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a lot of basketball. I've been trying to tell people I, if I could find the formula, I'd be a really rich woman. But I really think it's the state of the mind. If you can get your kids in a, a particular state of the mind, go out they can be consistent so the team that's going to be the most consistent in the state of the mind night in and night out is going to win this conference and yeah i'm not going to make any predictions because i still think i have a good basketball team and that we're going to be in the hunt right there at the end well that's why i said if it wasn't you guys oh i i know how to try and get something out of you uh <laughs> listen you've got to see you won't get me to commit Dave. no i know i, I tried be, i tried be, it could be anybody anybody's night <laughs> and going in that last week of basketball whoever's getting hot and who hasn't yeah. sustained a lot of injuries and so forth i mean there's a lot of young talent in this conference that if it emerges late in the season look out and how important is the home court? You talk about the fact that those two losses were both on the road to Mount Union and on the road to Ohio Northern. Your luck, you know, that that lucks out that they have to come back to your place uh, at some point in this season, and that will come up uh, in, later this month. But how important is the home court, and thus how important is it to get a hold of that for the conference playoffs? It's critical. Um, that's why you have to hold serve at home, and you can't get upset at home and and just. You need to win at home. We tell our kids going into an opponent's place that we're 15 down going in because that's how I think the big of difference is the home court advantage is. You have the crowd there. Uh, the student bodies can be really rowdy at times, and it's just a different atmosphere. You're not used to playing it on every day, and then you travel. The we- you know the weather's changing. The, the, the daylight savings time, it's dark when you get on. The kids feel it, and you get back to classes. It, it's, it's a little whole different environment when you're on the road traveling. You started the first four games on the road. You had a couple at home. Then you played three games on the road. Then you played three games at home. And I just looked at the conference, the rest of the schedule. If memory, if I've got this right, I think you play seven of the last eleven home at home. That's going to be we huge do. down the road. We believe it is too, and uh, especially the pace that we like to play. That uh, it's going to come at a good time of the year. Let's talk about this team. It is senior-laden. Uh, five seniors to be exact, and they're all leading the way right now. 
Uh, Kristen Thompson leading the way with 16.1 points a game and 10.7 rebounds. Nice to have an average double-double in there from one of your one of your players. Jenna Irwin, another senior, 13-plus points a game. Nina Napolitano, 9.5 uh, points a game. Um, Simone Gage, 7.7. Shelby Sigmund, 7.7. All five seniors, all of them leading the way in the stat column. That's got to be special, but it also probably has to uh, has a little feel of it's now we got to take advantage of this. Um, it is. It's something that these kids have worked really hard for. It's been a long time that I've had a, a group of kids, 1 through 18, work as hard as what these kids work. Every day they come out and meet my demands, and my demands are not easy. Mm-hmm. And they come out and they, they want this. They want it. And I think part of the problem is they want it just a little too much. Mm-hmm. So we've had to rethink things and had to re-back some things off, not from a work habit, just from a, a mental state and so forth. And tried to put some fun back into the game for the kids and get them to, to relax and go out and play a little bit freer. Well, you've played, uh, let's see, nine players in 11 of the 12 games, seven of them in all 12. Uh, you've played, uh, I think, um, uh, nine of players, I think, have played in at least nine of those 12 games. I mean, you're willing to go deep on the bench, and certainly you've played a number of players when necessary. I, I'm willing to go to our bench. I think we can even go a little bit deeper here after after we get back again from another break um, <laughs> of playing. We've been, well, it's been a crazy schedule, yeah. as you alluded to earlier in the show, is that We've had three different mini breaks, so that's a little unusual for us. So we come back again tomorrow night to start again. But um, we play at such a high pace, and you're going. We see a lot of different presses, and we see a different, and everybody's matching different players with you, and so forth. So there's a lot of strategy going on, more so now than what it was. I don't know if the rule changes that have been implemented that has caused coaches to do that more. But um, I'm really, really proud of this senior laden bunch of kids. Uh, they're helping us develop our kids for the following year and so forth. So I wouldn't know if it's now or it's just it's what kind of we're looking to see how good we can become. Um, you, you let's talk. We've talked about the team and the five seniors there. Obviously, what's the nuances or what's the who's the player who's not shown up the stat sheet that that is driving the ship or the players or you know what are the what's the the underlying thing that as a, as a fan of, of division three or somebody who doesn't know your program extremely well, any of those scenarios looks at the stat sheet and goes, okay, I think I know this team, but what do we don't know that would make us appreciate who this crusader squad really is? I think that the quiet leader on our team um, is Simone Gage. I think a lot of coaches um, that want to control the offense and so forth will say that their point guard is a necessity. And so Simone is huge for us. Not that each kid is not, but Simone is huge for us of handling the ball, handling the pressure, making the right decisions, getting to disseminate the ball where it needs to be at the right time. And it helps to have Kristen Thompson, a caliber of player like her, the inside that can mm. control the boards. And one of the kids said against the Calvin game, Kristen, go get the ball. And I just turned around and said, she will. And <laughs> she went and got it. I mean, so I'm very, very confident in this bunch of kids. I'm very, very confident in, in you know, the support and the team chemistry that we have. I think um, defensively is where people don't understand that we're pretty good defensively and that we're just going to keep playing and playing and playing and, and we'll do things. We're not afraid to mix things up. We, uh, we'll change defenses. We'll you know, switch. We'll, we'll trap. We'll do whatever we have to do. But we play very, very hard defensively. Um, this squad, obviously you talk about these mini breaks. How do you keep them focused? Um, I was going to bring up the fact that you don't play until the ninth against Baldwin Wallace, having played Calvin on the 30th. You had that mini break between John Carroll and Misericordia. 
Uh, obviously, you had one earlier in the season as well. But how do you refocus them after a big win over Calvin and hitting the road against a what's going to be a major you know, game to restart conference play? I think because we are simulating, I think that helps. Um, we definitely needed another break. Um, the kids were extremely tired uh, mentally and physically after the Calvin game and the weekend of having to play back-to-back again. So giving them four days off and then bringing them back, they know that we're going to have hard, intense practices and that we're going to work to get better. We're going to put some new things in to get ready to open up for conference play because we know this is our last opportunity. So we have to refocus to get the new stuff in, to sharpen what we need to resharpen and, and continue on the road of, of what we're trying to do. Um, obviously, you've had plenty of coaching experience, uh, 30-some-odd years. Um, obviously, most of them at Capitol. Does it, not that it ever gets old, that's a horrible question to ask, but does it, does it ever get routine? Did you ever feel like you got to break things up and kind of freshen things up again? Sure. I mean, I think every year what I've learned to do is, and I would tell young coaches that every year after your season's over to wait a week or two and to step back and reflect on your season. And when a season um, doesn't go the way we want to go, it probably is the deepest time that I reflect even more and believe that's an opportunity to change things up and to to evaluate personnel-wise and to evaluate myself as a coach and what do I need to adapt, what do I need to change. Maybe I didn't run the right things, but it never gets old. You're constantly adapting. In 30-plus years, I don't think I've ever come back and did the same thing twice. You've won, I mean, you've only won 619 games at Capitol and 671 games overall, Coach. It's not like you haven't seen a lot of basketball. Um, <laughs> and you've certainly made your, made it to a number of NCAA tournaments and even threw in a couple of national championships. You know, you're up there with the Nancy Faze of the world when it comes to Division Three basketball, even women's basketball overall. Um, how much more you got in you? I'm hoping you're going to say 30 more years, but that's that's beside the point. I don't have 30 more years, but I don't have a set time on it either. Every year, like I said, I step back and I reflect. And when I step back and reflect and say, I can't make a difference anymore for the game or I can't make a difference in a young person's life, it's probably the day I'll step back and say I'm done. Well, that's a good point of view. Um, Better than some people's point of view when it comes to that topic. One thing that certainly I think you're looking forward to is that the uh, championships will come through capital, no matter if you're in them at that point in time or not, as the Final Four will be held in Columbus on your campus. It's got to be exciting to know that you guys get to, to host two really, really big games. We are extremely pleased and excited, and along with the, the Sports Commission of Columbus, uh, Linda Logan has partnered with us, and we're not only going to uh, knock it out of, the, out of the park as far as excitement and so forth, but everything's going to be first class, and we're going to treat these teams like they've never been treated before. Um, we're going to give them a police escort downtown when we oh. take it down to our social and so forth. So cool. it's a really big deal for Columbus, and we're going to get a lot of media attention, and you guys are going to be coming out, and we're just really excited about doing this. Um, I'm kind of curious. Um, I've been told that this is going to be treated like any other championship weekend. There's going to be the community service. There's going to be the championship dinner. The only difference is we don't get the consolation game and we don't get the championship. So be it. That happens 16 days later, at least a championship game. But it sounds like you guys really are going all out. Oh, we're all out. Uh, it, we, the first when it first started, we were told we weren't going to treat it like that. And then it kept coming saying, we are going to do this now. We are going to do that. And then it went, we're going full blow. And, this is going to be treated like we're at a Final Four, and we said we're ready and prepared to do this. And 
Um, our good friends at the Marriott Hotel are prepared and have given us the entire hotel wow. for anyone that wants to stay there and so forth. So it, it's going to be great. Um, how important is it to make this championship, the, even you know, even if for one year, but I mean in general for women's basketball, feel bigger and bigger? Obviously they're going to get a chance to play on the D1 uh, site this year, but moving forward from that, and I mean, we're talking – you know, do we get rid of the consolation game and put a third place game in? Do we find a, a site that can do it up and, as you say, make it as big and bright as we possibly can? How important are those details? I, I think, you know, just serving off the national committee, we have talked extensively about this, Dave. And I think what you're going to see in the future, um, because of, of shows like yours and, and Pat Coleman being out there and so forth, and other people's interest in, in women's basketball in Division Three is getting better and better that it, things are going to get better. I think the consolation game will go away. I think you'll see an all-star game maybe come in place as a consolation game, which would be a really cool thing to do. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I'd love to see that. Um, obviously, you have an advantage to take advantage right now if we need to. Um, and I'll be blunt, and I'm, I'm waiting for almost any kind of answer here. I've been debating on how, what you might say, and I don't think i got a good gauge. Can Capital Women be playing on their home court in that semifinal? I think that uh, any team could be playing on our, our court. And I think we are one team um, that has a possibility of playing, but things have got to fall the right way. You, you know, to, to get to a Final Four, you have to have a little bit of luck. Yeah. Um, it's not always just about who's the best team, because sometimes the best team doesn't make it there. But you have to have some luck along the way, and you have to have a lot of belief. So who's ever believing and who has the luck and who stays the most healthy? healthy will make it to Capital University at the Capital Center in, in March. No matter what, we know you'll be there. Yes, sir. I'll be <laughs> front and center, and I'll be, I'll be helping put on a first-class show. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I know uh, it's going to be great. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all turns out. Looking forward to seeing the rest of your season from you guys and, and the rest of the OAC as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, we appreciate what you do for the coverage. Um, I totally want to give a shout-out to the High Athletic Conference because I think it's one of the best conferences in Division Three basketball. And night in and night out, you can't take a day off, and that's what you want to do from a basketball uh, coaching perspective is go out and have to play hard every night out. Well said. Well, congratulations on the start uh, and halfway for you guys essentially at 10-2. and two. Good luck the rest of the way, and uh, we'll look forward to watching the Crusaders. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Dixie Jeffers joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline again. 10-2 and two overall. 3-2 and two in conference. Doesn't say much. They got Birmingham, uh, or Baldwin Wallace, I should say, coming up on January 9th. And as we mentioned, seven of their last nine at home. It's going to have to go through um, Capitol. It's going to have to go through the Capitol Center um, for the rest of the season. It's going to have to go through the Capitol Center just to get to Indianapolis for the women's championships as well. Looking forward to seeing what they do in Columbus uh, as well. We're going to come up, switch gears, we're going to switch, switch to the men's side of things, and uh, we're going to talk about Susquehanna men's basketball. Can you believe it? Crusaders are undefeated. We'll talk about that run to start the season, and we'll recap the D3Hoops.com Classic. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division Three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry for the pregnant pause there. <laughs> Getting our next guest lineup. Ran out a little bit of time. Nice tweet from the Crusaders uh, about the interview with Coach Jeffers. I appreciate them uh, tuning in. I appreciate you tuning in, and I appreciate their kind words as well. As always, you can interact with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or using the hashtag Hoopsville. You can always join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And, of course, you can always email us. Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We even have a chat room uh, alongside the YouTube page. If you happen to be uh, deep onto that YouTube page, if you just happen to be watching us um, on the um, regular D3Hoops.com page or isn't that chat room availability, not a big deal. We mentioned Hoop, Twitter, Facebook, and email. They are scrolling at the bottom of your screen, and you're certainly welcome to use them uh, at any time that you need, and we will try our best to interact with you as much as we can. Don't forget, we're on on the air Sundays and Thursdays starting at 7 o'clock throughout the rest of the basketball season. We will have a couple of pre-taped shows coming up on Thursdays. The next two Thursdays we'll have pre-taped shows. We'll also but we'll be on the air for the most part most of the Sundays the rest of the way. We've got the Hoopsville Marathon coming up. By the way, speaking of the Hoopsville Marathon, we'll also have the Hoopsville fundraising efforts coming back. We are taking those, shaping those right now, trying to find out the right way. But we heard a lot of people in the beginning of the season ask us if we were going to do that again. We will bring that back. Uh, in some capacity, and obviously the marathon will have a major part of that as well. Let's switch gears, talk men's basketball. And when you talk about men's basketball, there is definitely one surprise out of the Mid-Atlantic, which there's been actually, to be completely honest with you, several surprises out of the Mid-Atlantic in basketball this season. Uh, some good, some bad. This one is definitely good. You start the season 12-0, and 0, uh, you, you deserve some recognition. Uh, and that is definitely the case for the Crusaders. Now, I will admit... I debated about getting Susquehanna on the show, mainly because I knew I'd be seeing them in a matter of weeks. But I also know how this works. It's the basketball season. Teams don't just stay undefeated. Teams don't get into conference play and just roll through it if they've started the season well. 
you better get them when the getting's good, as it were. And so I got made sure we got Frank Bersinek. And Coach Frank Bersinek joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Dave, it's great to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, first and foremost, don't know if you can clear this up or not. I know there's talk about getting rid of the Crusaders' name. I believe it's actually been gotten rid of. Do we have a mascot we can call you guys, or are you just Susquehanna for the rest of this interview? We are the Susquehanna Crusaders as of today, and we'll be the Crusaders through the end of this year. Okay. Uh, and there's a process ongoing right now uh, to help uh, uh, find a new nickname. So we are we are the Crusaders. Thank you. It just helps me now to know whether I'm saying it completely wrong or at least I can say it. <laughs> you can say it. Awesome. We, we say it all the time. Go Crusaders. Great. Well, I appreciate it, Coach. Well, first and foremost, uh, congratulations on the start to the season, 12-0. and Heck of a start, uh, and you've got some good wins in there. We'll talk about those, certainly. Uh, best start since 93, I believe it was, when you guys got out to an 8-0 start. Um, I, I'll freely admit, Coach, beginning of the season, saw the landmark uh, conference vote come in. You guys finished second. Kind of tilted my head and said, huh, I thought Scranton might be there, maybe Susquehanna third or fourth. Coaches knew something that you guys uh, were going to be good this year. Did you think you could get off to this good to start? Uh, if you had asked me back on November 16th, would we be 12 and 0? I would have said no way. Um, hmm. I thought that uh, I thought our team might be better. Um, as a matter of fact, I expected our team to be better, but I knew that our schedule um, was maybe one of the better schedules we've played uh, in maybe in, in in my time at Susquehanna. Mm-hmm. And I started at Susquehanna back in 1982, so I've been here as an assistant coach and a head coach uh, for quite some time. And uh, I thought we really, really had some tough hurdles uh, to get over. And uh, to this point, we've, we've gotten over a wall. Well, I mean, great start. And, yes, I would admit, one of the tougher schedules I think I've seen from you guys as well. Uh, started the season with a Misericordia win, played out of conference against Penn State and Wilkes-Barre, uh, got a big win there. You beat Kings easily. You beat Lycoming, who has turned out to be a darn good team. Uh, in the Mid-Atlantic. They're 9-3 and three right now, having lost just a Widener, but that's probably a blip on the radar. Uh, beat Penn State Harrisburg, who has been a thorn in the side of some good teams. Then you beat Catholic. They were ranked 22 at the time. You beat Merchant Marine, then came back and beat number 15, Trinity, Connecticut. Uh, you just beat Hopkins over the holiday break as well. This is You guys are getting the, the job done when you really need to right now before you really get into the meat of the conference schedule. Yeah, we have, Dave. We've... Uh... You know, as you mentioned, that went through our schedule. We've played some really, really good teams. Uh, you know, some on the road, some at some neutral sites. Um, you know, Catholic was game at Susquehanna, uh, but nonetheless, we've uh, uh, we've risen to the occasion each and every time, and uh, you know, kind of have a real, real uh, confident, positive attitude working right now. Yeah, it certainly seems to be well, and obviously, you you mentioned your guys were at Albright. You played a couple of uh, tournaments. You played at Kings. Um, where you also played the Apprentice School, and then you played Albright, as you mentioned, where you got the win over Hopkins and then beat Albright in the title game. And then, more importantly, Coach, you came back and you got Moravian in that in that third conference game, but the first one since the break, to kind of get that momentum back in gear and moving forward. And you got Scranton coming up here on Thursday. So it was important to get that win over Moravian, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the reason we played in the Albright tournament on the 29th and 30th uh, was to kind of get back in the swing of things, hopefully get some momentum uh, going into conference play. And I thought an advantage we had over Moravian is uh, you know, we had played those two games where Moravian, uh, unfortunately due to their scheduling, did not play, I believe, since the 12th of December. That's a long layoff and a tough one for them yeah. to, uh, 
to, to handle. And I think that was kind of advantageous to us uh, in yesterday's win. Um, certainly, well, you, I, I think that falls under the category of you take what you can get, and sometimes that's just the scenario that's drawn up for you. But it's a big win, at least to get under your belt. This landmark conference, you know, tough to put a finger on this year. Everyone thought Catholic would have a good season. They're struggling, especially defensively this year. So everyone thought you would finish second. I'm talking everyone being coaches, and you guys are obviously playing up to that. Scranton was figured to be third, but then the rest of the conference is wide open. Teams have gotten better. This isn't just a, a, going to be a cakewalk necessarily through the landmark, and you certainly know Catholic's going to come back gunning for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, to draw a little comparison between last year and this year, um, as I said this earlier in the show, I thought that uh, our team this year would be better, um, but I didn't know that our record would be as good. Because mm-hmm. uh, last year, our conference was pretty top-heavy. So yeah. yeah. You know, you had Catholic, Scranton, Susquehanna, and then, you know, the other six, to be quite honest with you, were not that good. You yeah. know, they, they were not, it wasn't their years. Um, but this year, um, you know, I think seven of the nine, you know, seven of the nine uh, teams in our conference right now have records of 500 or better. Um, you know, with schools like Drew and Juniata, you know, probably being a little bit of the surprise, I would say. Um, you know, Juniata's been off to a good start. Drew is 3-0 and in the conference. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I do think the conference top to bottom um, is very good. And I think that, uh, um, you know, there will be there will be some, some nights when you, you know, uh, go back and check D3 hoop scores and say, wow. You yeah. know, uh, I, I think that's going to happen. Um, so it's really important that you take care of, you know, take care of business you know, when you have a chance. I always felt this was to make the playoffs, not to win. I thought you needed to win at home and split on the road. Uh, but, you know, I think to win the conference, you know, I'm going to guess two losses will probably you know, get you to that first spot. But, you know, God only knows. Um, interesting enough, uh, we had Juniata's coach on the last show. We don't tend to go conference back-to-back, but it was three weeks ago, and a lot has changed. They've lost two out of three since over the break, and obviously you guys have, have continued to steamroll uh, since then. But you, it's interesting you say you think this is going to be a two-loss conference at the top. How much is this beating up going to probably cost the conference that extra bid that I know the conference has, has coveted quite a bit to the NCAA tournament? Well, it, you know, again, if we do beat up on one another, you know, the one thing we have to look back on, and I, I saw it on your site a week or two ago, and we were one of the better leagues in out-of-conference record as mm-hmm. well. I think we, you know, Fifth, sixth, I forget where we were. Uh, but as I look at our conference and, and, and how we've done out of conference, we've, we've really, really performed well. And uh, so I hope that you know, as, as all the numbers play out you know, through the regional rankings, that, that uh, you know, conference strength of schedule outside of conference, outside of conference strength schedule is what I'm referring to, uh, d- does hold some weight. But, again, you know, if you win 20, you got to think you know, you're in the mix but uh, you know, it, it, it could end come back to uh, to bite some people if uh, you know if, if business is not taken care of, and you know, like you know, eighteen or nineteen wins probably will not get it done. Well, you know, this conference uh, over the years since it was formed has always had high expectations, especially on the men's side, and and unfortunately sometimes you just have some teams that have just not not lay you know not fulfilled it in the NCAA tournament, and we haven't gotten extra bids. The bottom of the conference, let's be honest, hasn't been that good. It's been a little disappointing. There has been some changing of the guard, as it were, over the last, even last year, two years. Is this conference maybe turning the corner in the right direction? Uh, Are we starting to see signs that this is going to be a deeper conference and maybe a little bit more of a national conference than it used to be? Well, I hope so. Um, You know, like, I think that when when you look at the conference, you know, I think that 
you start with Scranton and Catholic. I yeah. think we are right, right there, but have not you know, been in the NCAA tournament or, or played at the level that they have consistently. You know, we've, we've won our share of games. We've played for conference championships. We've been consistently in the playoffs. You know, we've you know, had great regular seasons, but um, you know, you know, we, we've had a lot of teams in the conference, you know, one and done or win one, lose the second. We've not made the deep runs in the NCAA uh, uh, tournament like, uh, like you might expect. You know, when you look at our conference, you know, Catholic has won a national title. Scranton has won two national titles, and Elizabethtown has played for a national title. That that that's pretty good. Um, you know, I think there's you know, other conferences that could say the same thing, but I think our conference has good basketball tradition. Uh, we're you know still a fairly new conference. I'm going to say we're in our maybe eighth or ninth year, um, and I'm really hopeful that, as you said, that we're becoming a a deeper conference, uh, you know, a better conference. You know, I, I think I'd love to see us be great. The next year we'll be back to eight teams, but I'd like to see us really be great one through eight. I think it's only good for the conference. You know, when we win the conference play, and hopefully people have challenged themselves with good out-of-conference games and come into conference play with, with good, hearty records um, so that the strength of, of the conference is viewed um, both regionally as being one of the best and also on the national level. The region's up in the air as well this year. It's it's come back into the conversation nationally. It used to be not that great a region, but you know the Capital Athletic Conference with St. Mary's, Christopher Newport, even Wesley of the years past has certainly made uh, the conversation more interesting. The MAC Commonwealth in the last few years has certainly reengaged the conversation into the best of the conf- or the best in the nation. Of course, Landmark has a representation in there as well. Uh, the Mid Atlantic though has turned on its head a little bit. It's a free for all just a little bit. Uh, I, obviously, regional rankings don't come out for a really long time in the grand scheme of things, but it is certainly interesting on a, on a regional side just to see how everybody's matching up this year. Yeah, it, you know, some interesting games. Um, you know, Scranton going to uh, Christopher Newport and knocking them off last week I thought yeah. was a really uh, big win for our conference. Carl Danzig's a terrific coach, terrific guy, has been very consistent. You know, the people at Scranton aren't always happy, believe, believe me, Coach Nancy. He, <laughs> he, he's, he, he's really a good coach with, that does it the right way and a great guy. Yeah. And John Corian and John at Christopher Newport was in our league previously at Merchant Marine and also a terrific coach. So for Scranton to get down there and get the win, uh, you know, I, I think that that uh, – you know, says nice things about our conference. And, you know, again, I think that when you look at the NESCAC, that's always viewed as arguably the best Division three conference in the country. And for us to be able to beat Trinity, who last year was, you know, a, a, a strong participant in the NCAAs, I think, you know, speaks volumes. And their team pretty much returns, not totally intact, but they return most of their team. And then for us to go and get Hopkins, um, who uh, you know was a Sweet 16 team last year from Centennial, which I think has been a little bit above our conference as well, um, might be a sign of uh, you know maybe the changing of the guard. You talked about the region being you know kind of turned upside down, but uh, I, I, I I do think that there's um, you know a little bit of a shifting. You know, like if if you were to look at our record, our landmark record, maybe the last two years against the Commonwealth, um, I think we probably. Uh, I don't want to sound egotistical. I think I think I think we've pretty much have dominated them the last two years. Well, it certainly has been interesting. You're right; that Scranton win is certainly big. By the way, last conference question I have for you before we talk about your team specifically: This is the last year with Merchant Marine. You guys will pair back to eight because the Elizabethtown obviously came in and made it a little bit uneven. So things will settle down a little bit. You'll get two more games out of conference. How important will the scheduling in the next few years be for you guys? Well, it, 
I was not a fan of nine teams just because of the number of dates you need yeah. uh, with you know with the buy. So uh, I'm glad we're going back to eight. Um, I'm hoping we'll stay at eight, which I'm I think we will. And you know we need to be need to be selective in how we schedule out of conference games. I love play a Division One game every year if I can. Uh, I think this will allow us to get a Division One game next year, and and then also you know try to schedule somebody else that's a really good opponent, whether it's a you know going to a tournament that's a quality tournament or just scheduling a single game where you end up with a with a home and home series for for two years. But uh, um, you know. It's 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 important because um, you know if our conference is to be uh, viewed as one of the better ones in the country, we better get out and play good people, and uh, and, and and perform well. So uh, scheduling is always very important. You look at your squad; you got three seniors on it, but you have a whole host of sophomores, juniors, and and, and freshmen. No particular order there, apparently. Um, so it's a well balanced, deep team. And when you look at the scoring, it's two seniors and two juniors who are your top four leading the way. Uh, Brandon Headley at 12.1 points a game. He's a senior. Josh Miller, 16 points a game. Uh, Stephen Weedlick, uh, 15 point Widelick, thank you, 15.8 points a game. And Dan Weiss at 12 point. It's good. 12.1 points a game. Good thing you mentioned uh, uh, Weedlick's name. I'm going to need to say it in a few weeks. Um, but two and two there, juniors and seniors, and obviously a lot of guys below that who are contributing. So you've got a, a little bit of an impetus because you've got a couple seniors leading the way. This is a talented squad, but you've got talent behind this. Looks like you're building very nicely into the future here. I like where we're at, Dave, and uh, I like the direction that we're pointed. Uh, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed. Um, you know, you know, as, as we're as we're recruiting, you know, we're looking at some holes that will be, you know. Uh, popping up over the next sure. two years and we're working really hard to fill them you know this year we're going to graduate you know two guys that are major contributors and brandon Headley and then josh miller brandon's going to get in as one of the top players ever play at susquehanna you know is well over a thousand points already has broken um you know every three-point record uh, in school history and uh, but i think he's only driven by one thing right now and that's winning a championship um you know I don't think you know, I, I don't think the numbers matter to him. You know, yesterday in our game, um, our president Jay Evans pointed this out to me. He's really you know, into what we do athletically at Susquehanna. He sent me an email stating, "Hey, good win uh, with Headley and Whitelick combining for 11. Now that's great." And the <laughs> art, and so you know, like yeah, here, here. I mean, that, that's a fact. He's the yeah. best. And, and uh, you know, when when you have two guys like you know, Stephen and Brandon who had to carry us. For the last two years, and we kind of went as they went, particularly last year. Now they don't have to do that; they can on any given night. But but we have so much more balance. Uh, you know, Josh Miller uh, has had some really big games. Had a big game yesterday. Had a big game at Catholic. Uh, you know, Danny Weiss has been very consistent for us, uh, which gives us a post presence that we didn't have a year ago. And you know, then we get some other guys. You know, like uh, uh, Ryan Traub, who's a sophomore, came off the bench, got 24. Uh, force against Hopkins. He's six seven, and uh, he's just really starting to scratch the surface of where he's going to be. Uh, Dalton Reichert plays point guard for us and, and, and can score it, but you know that's not what he's been asked to do. And then yesterday we get a really nice performance uh, from a freshman point guard, Tyler Hoagland, uh, where he comes off the bench and hits. I think he went four for five uh, from three, and you know he's not been doing that because that's not what's been been necessary. But but this is a team that's willing to do whatever it takes and uh, you know there are no egos nobody really cares um you know which, which is really really why we are where we are um 
you obviously get into conference play. Scranton coming up um, on Thursday in an odd Thursday game and throughout the conference, then Merchant Marine uh, on the road and then at home. Um, you're going to have a whole chunk of games near the end of the season. Five of your last seven will actually be on the road. Um, how do you how do you you know keep the momentum going and how do you keep the guys focused on what will certainly be a tough finish to the season? Well, you know, last year we uh, we did not lose a conference. We lost one conference game on the road. Excuse me. We lost at Catholic, so we we really played all, well on the road a year ago. And then we had, we lost the playoff game at Scranton, but but we've performed well on the road, um, and that's surprising because last year we were really a heavy three point shooting team, and yeah. that doesn't typically translate into road win. This year we're, we're a little bit more well rounded, more balanced. Um, you know, until the last couple of games, we've been getting to the free throw line a ton. And, uh, you know, the last couple games we've played the same way. Um, but I think the referees have settled into their late December, January refereeing, which is a little bit different maybe than what you saw in, in November and, and early December. But, um, you know, I always tell our team, you guys can take yourself to a level that I can't. And, you know, you ask how we're going to get ready, what are we going to do? Um, you know, it's got the guys like, you know, uh, Brandon Headley and Josh Miller and, and Danny Weiss and Steve Widely, they're the ones that uh, uh, they're very mature. Uh, I think they know what, what's expected. And uh, yeah, I think they trust one another, and, and I trust them. And I think it goes back and forth. So I feel good. I feel good about our chances. You know, um, are we going to go 25-0? and 0? I sure hope so. Uh, but, I, you know, again, I don't think the odds in Vegas are all that good on that. And, uh, you, know, you know, we're going to have to just, you know, play hard. Thursday night's game will be a heck of a game. Scranton's good, yeah. uh, you know, different, but you know, we've played a lot of big teams, and Scranton's a big team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Hopkins was big. You know, they started five eleven, six four, six five, six eight, six eleven. Uh, you know, Scranton will start a point guard, and then you know, four guys in that six four, six five, six seven, six eight range. Uh, Trinity was the same way. We've seen more of that. Um, you know, we're not that big. We play three guards. Uh, kind of a small forward and a center. So we're a little bit different. So our matchups, we don't match up great with Scranton, but on the other hand, they don't match up great with us. And, you know, so it's kind of a battle of wills a little bit to see, uh, you know, who, who can exert their uh, their influence on uh, on the game. Well, it's certainly a great start, like we said, 12-0. and 0, And obviously a lot of big games, including Scranton, coming up on the road on Thursday and then uh, at home against Merchant Marine and, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I, I just love the fact that we're talking Crusaders basketball here in early January, and you're right. I mean, last year you guys were lurking um, in the conference, and I think people didn't know what to expect. And obviously this year you guys have come out with a bang. And obviously the target will be on you guys, but I have this feeling that you guys are kind of kind of relishing this a little bit and, and, and waiting, and not waiting for it, but you're ready for it. Yeah, they, you know, like, you have to enjoy the moment. You know, like, uh, you know, whenever you know, I'm recruiting kids and they're in the playoffs, I say, you know, I try to tell them, hey, make sure you're enjoying this. It's like, you know, Sometimes we get all caught up, myself included, in 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 the grind. And uh, you know, you got to enjoy being with your team, being with your teammates, preparing for a game. Um, you know, seeing the satisfaction when you do things the right way. So we're going to try to enjoy the moment. You know, uh, I've never had a team that's been 12 and up, and uh, um, so I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, probably, uh, um, you know, or I, I know our kids. You know. Knock on wood, we've we've had great practices, and I think the fact that uh, you know we are undefeated has has kept their focus at at a, at a maybe a higher level. Certainly makes some sense. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys do and watch you guys. Obviously, I won't see you technically in person until right near the end of the season, but still looking forward to watching you guys 
along the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I, I, I know we have a great, great uh, group of D3 fans that might be watching. Um, D3 basketball is the best as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, from the quality of the student athletes, you know, John Feinstein wrote the book, The Last Amateurs, about the Patriot League. And uh, the Last Amateurs are really, truly uh, the Division Three players. They do it the right way. They're great students. Um, so, you know, just you know, get out and support Division Three. And I also want to just give a plug to uh, my assistant coaches who have been outstanding. Chad Bailey's been with me a long time. Uh, Mark Prush played for us and is one of our assistants. And then Sam Moore and Aaron Ettinger, you know, uh, they're they're really, really important to our team's success. And uh, um, I think the head coach gets some pats on the back, but uh, I'm only as good as those guys allow me to be. So I want to make sure they get recognized. Well said across the board. Good recognition as well, Coach. Good luck the rest of the way. I look forward to seeing you soon. And uh, take care of yourselves. Okay, thank you very much, Dave. Absolutely. Frank Versin. Yeah, take care. Take right, care. Bye. Frank Marcinic joining us here from Susquehanna, the 17th-ranked Crusaders. I have a feeling they'll move up the polls a little bit. Um, I mean, come on, 12-0, and terrific start. Big, big game coming up against Scranton on Thursday. That could be a big litmus test for some voters who are unsure about, sure about the Crusaders. As he said, this is our last year to call them the Crusaders, so get it out of your system uh, as much as you can. Uh, again, Merchant Marine coming up. Juniata then drew the following week. Uh, they're then at Ga- or, uh, They'll then play home against Goucher on the 20th and Elizabethtown on the 23rd. Again, Merchant Marine last season in the landmark as well. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll recap the D3Hoops.com Classic. I also have a couple of notes regarding uh, T-shirts, decorations in our studio, and a somber note coming out of one of the men's basketball programs in Division III. You're listening to, Division, uh, you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. 
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, as we mentioned, uh, quite a bit going on in Division Three, and we saw quite a bit of it at the D3Hoops.com Classic during the holiday season. Fifth, 16 games amongst 15 teams. We had the first three games played by St. Vincent and Mary Harden-Baylor. Um, men's basketball, as they both picked up an extra game out there, uh, pre-scheduled. It wasn't like they got there and said, hey, would you like to play a game? Uh, it was pre-scheduled. Um, quite, a, quite a bit of basketball was played at the South Point Arena in Las Vegas. I should mention um, there are still openings and availabilities for next year, so contact Sport Tours if you're interested. You can also contact Pat Coleman at pat.coleman at d3hoops.com for more information on how you can get involved. And if it's not next year, it's the following year. It's a terrific event, six years now in the in the books, and we had a great time. Uh, Whitworth proved them. I, in my opinion, proved themselves at least a top ten team, maybe a top five team. I think there's so many questions. I got an email from a from a colleague I rec, uh, respect. Who told me he didn't think Stockton deserved to be a top twenty-five team because he'd seen him in action? Let's be honest. There's a lot of teams out there that may not think are top twenty-five teams because I think we're used to these top twenty-five teams being absolutely dominating, and I don't think we have dominating basketball anymore in Division Three, especially on the men's side and even on the women's side. Yes, Augustana is a very good basketball team. Yes, Hope is a very good basketball team. And Whitworth's a very good basketball team. But I don't think anyone's going to dominate anymore. I don't think anyone gets, let's be honest, I don't think anybody gets unscathed at all. I think Alma, Trine, or Calvin can knock off Hope. I think Elmhurst, North Park, maybe North Central, even Illinois Wesleyan could knock off Augustana. Um, PLU, Whitman could knock off Whitworth. I mean, no one's going to go undefeated. But the D3Hoops.com Classic was certainly fun to watch. Women's basketball, terrific as well. George Fox was there. Um, is the highest-ranked team at number three. Terrific basketball, to be sure. It was all good. Um, and even the the teams who are just developing or, or, or programs aren't as developed as George Fox put on some pretty good basketball games as well. Wanted to bring you back a, a bit of the sound from, from the tournament and some of the, the, the what was said uh, with the interviews that we conduct while we're out there. Uh, I'm not going to play all 15 interviews. We're going to play um, a good chunk of three interviews that we had with UW Stout's men's basketball, with Calvin's men's basketball, um, at least, and, and hopefully women's basketball from Bethel. We'll get us a little into overtime here. But I want you to hear from coaches either we don't normally hear from or you get to hear the perspective of them after having just played a game, um, usually against a major opponent. The first one is UW Stout. Uh, terrific interview Pat Coleman conducted with them, and here it is. First of all, Coach, congratulations, uh, especially coming off a, a really tough season for you guys last year, uh, having won just three games all year. At, at the very least, you've uh, accomplished one thing in the non-conference schedule, and you've uh, uh, you've surpassed last year's win total. You know, it's kind of nice, you know, like I told our guys after the game, you know, wins are, wins are a lot of fun. I don't know why that is, but it's a lot more fun to win than lose, and uh, we had a pretty happy group in there. Skidmore not necessarily in control in the second half, but leading you guys uh, throughout a good stretch, and then you guys just kind of came and uh, put it together at the end. Well, you, you, what you have to, I'm sure you saw, was we wore them down, you know, with, with our five and five out. And, you know, I'm not really a big believer in you know, always going five and five out. This tournament kind of lends it to that because you, your kids are tired anyway. You know, they're in Vegas, they're out and about all the time. And, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, it, it's, it's a situation where we, we try to fatigue our opponents. And I really thought today Skidmore uh, was really tired. 
Yeah, you guys uh, wore them out and you got uh, a couple of their big scorers out of the game so that at the end, when they needed a shot, they didn't need the three-pointer in the end, as it turned out, but they didn't have two of their big three options on the uh, on the floor either. You know, and I thought, again, that was part of, you know, with, with, the, with them being tired, a little more reaching, they don't move their feet as much, and, you know, that, that gave us the advantage. You know, we, we're still going to, all year long, we're going to play, if you're in our top 12, you're going to play, and they, our guys know that. We got 20 guys on the roster. Uh, I really like our team. You know, we're still uh, really heavy in freshman, sophomore, and you know that's that. You know, it's, it's tough to win in the WIAC with with that kind of youth on your team. But again, all we gotta do is keep getting better, see what happens. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how you decided to go with the uh, the five in five out philosophy at this point. Well, you know, I, I've I've kind of done this my whole career where I've looked at it, and I and I usually what I usually do is I go five in five out start the game because I want to get 10 guys involved right away, get them mentally into the game. Yeah, okay. And then once the game goes, then it's, it, then we do the normal, the traditional type substitution. Again, in this tournament, because I think our kids are a little more tired, plus the fact we're, we're coming off like five days off, so our, our cardio's not there, I just kind of stuck with it because, I, you know, I, again, I felt like that would be an advantage. Now, last night, you know, when we played Pacific Lutheran, that was an advantage. They were they did a nice job of breaking our press. They did a nice job of staying refreshed. Yeah. And it just didn't work out for us, and, and that's the way it goes. But I thought today it worked real well. So the, the you played 13 guys today. Uh, 12 of them played more than five minutes. Is it those 12, that's your, that's your rotation? Well, that's what we're looking for. And even this, in this tournament, Pat, what we're looking for is we're always looking who's those top 12. And we want our guys that are in the, in the bottom eight, if you will, we want them to say, okay, how do I get into the top 12 so I can play? So there's always that carrot dangling out there for them to get better. And, you know, we want to play. If we're going to press like we do, and as, as you saw, we turned uh, Skidmore over a few times late in the second half, and that was huge for us. Uh, if we're going to press, we got to play more than eight guys. we got to play more than seven guys, and I love to press, so we're going to press. Yeah, so carrying a big roster this year, uh, you mentioned mostly freshmen and sophomores. I had to look back. It was not that long ago that you guys won 20 games and you were on the bubble for the NCAA tournament, and then it was a real precipitous fall-off for a couple of years. Well, what happened was three years ago we had eight seniors that played full-time, and you never hear of that. And we knew that once those eight seniors were gone, that we were going to be in a little bit of trouble with youth. We decided not to go heavy in the junior college market. We decided to go with a lot of freshmen. And we took our lumps last year, and we're going to take some lumps this year. But if we could keep everybody together and just keep getting them better and get some wins, you know, you got to win. You can't just lose and lose and lose and think you're going to get a lot better. So, uh, you know, our league is as good as it's ever been. And, and so we've just got to bang out a few conference wins here and there and try to get something going. Yeah, you've been in the WIAC a long time. Right, uh, you through the Bo Ryan era, uh, you know, through the Jack Bennett era. Uh, I don't know what era we're uh, we're in right now. Uh, I don't. Know, I don't know if Bob Semling is going to accept an era at this point or not, because uh, uh, Pat Miller would probably want to have uh, some claiming rights to that as well. But you know, just kind of tell us a little bit of how you've seen the WIAC progress over your time. Well, you know, it's really interesting, and, and Pat, you know this. The WIAC, you know, back in the day, the, and we're going way back, the Dewey, the Dewey Mintz days, the Ken Anderson days, the Dave Vandermeulen days, uh, uh, Bob White, I can go on and on. That was a scholarship league. Even though they didn't give scholarships, uh, we're talking NBA guys. Yeah. And so it's not as good as it was back then. You know, our league is not overall. You don't have the seven-footers as much as we used to. We don't have the, the, the crazy uh, athletic guards like we used to, even though we got a lot of really good players. But it's still, it's still one of the best leagues in the country. And, you know, we always were number one in the country forever. And now, you know, we're between one, two, and three as far as leagues go, which is really good. And, you know, it's just a great league. And you still, 
it's always the top dog. Stevens Point's going to be always up there. Whitewater's always going to be up there. And kind of the rest of us, Oshkosh is having a good year this year. Uh, you know, so now it's a, a situation where the rest of us, we just try to try to get our, our place in line and, and, and move, up the, move up the ladder. And, and we certainly have teams in our league that can do that. Uh, conference transitioned from the NAIA into Division Three. Then there was an era in which uh, Division Three tournament was 64 teams, and the Wyatt could count on getting three, I think, semi-automatically. Uh, then it got shrunk way down, and the Wyatt, you know, got jobbed, I think, a couple times in at-large bids. And then back to the point where it was starting maybe five or six years ago, uh, and then where you guys were at 20 wins a few years ago, at a situation where a 20 and seven team had a legitimate shot at getting in. You know, we were sad. You know, and I, and I really think it was unfair. But we're not the the only team that ever got jobbed. You know, our, five of our seven losses were Stevens Point and uh, Whitewater. Yeah. And, you know, we really needed to win one of those games. Every, every game came down to a two-point game. And I felt bad for our kids because, you know, it's all about the kids. It's not about me, not about you. It's about the, the, the correct teams getting to play. And, and we know the Division Three tournament is not the, the best 64 get in. We know Division One's the same way. There's just a few more teams in Division Three that get in that probably shouldn't be in. But with that said, great tournament, you know, a great organization, and you just got to be a little bit better. You just got to play a little better. You got to, you know, we always got the the automatic with the with the conference tournament, and you know, it's a situation where we just got to keep getting better. But you know, again, uh, it's a great league with great coaches, uh, and uh, it just keeps getting better. I'll tell you, you know. Uh, uh, every time we get new coaches in our league, they're really good. Yep. And uh, there's no slouches. And now Superior's gone. You know, we're down to eight. Right. And with Superior gone, and, you know, you know, they were a team that you still had to reckon with. But now that they're gone, the league even got tougher. So, uh, you know, we got 14 games. We got to get her done. Yeah, because normally by now you'd have played a conference game or two. Absolutely. And, and we're looking at now maybe down the road of possibly moving a conference game or two before Christmas because we'd like to get a bye in the in the second semester. Right now we don't have, we're going to play 14 straight conference games yeah. and none of the coaches really want to do that. We'd like to get a bye in there somewhere okay. where everybody's off for a Wednesday or okay. a Saturday, which makes a lot of sense. It's just a matter of, of hooking that schedule up. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a good situation. I've been to my 16th year back at Stout. Uh, we've had a lot of great seasons. We have a lot of great players. And again, we just need to keep recruiting a little bit better, getting, uh, getting, getting more size on our program. As you notice, we're not real big. We need to get a little bigger. Uh, but we just need to just uh, keep getting better because we know those next 14 games that we're going to play are going to be good. Now, I don't know if Stout had a better fan following here uh, than anybody else or not, but they all came dressed the same, and so that made them very visible. How would you feel about uh, how many fans came and followed you? You know, and, and again, this is such a great tournament because it's in Vegas, and it's easy for people to get to, and yeah, we... And, and people want to go here just generally, right? Absolutely, and and we got... Uh, awesome Mocker had the had the nice group with the with the T-shirts on, and, and we had a lot of parents that followed us and some fans that came out, so... I'd be surprised if we weren't the number one team here as far as fan following, which is awesome because that again tells you that that will help our success because if we got parents and, and fans that will come to watch us in Vegas, then that means they're going to support us at home. And, and that's a good situation. That, that can only keep getting better and, and uh, that's what we got to keep doing. Big rivalry for you guys is, uh, did you call it the war on 94 for all the sports, right? So it's a, I know it is that way for football, at least and you guys uh, just uh, about 40 miles away from UW-Eau Claire? 25. All right. We're 25 miles away and, and there's no doubt Eau Claire's our rivals. Uh, you know, we had kind of dominated them for about 10 some games in a row and, and now the last couple years, last year, obviously Eau Claire, Matt Cyberling's done a really good job. Yeah. 
of getting that program back on its feet and he's got some good kids in there and again they started with some youth and now they're getting older and they've got good size so you know it, it's it's uh that'll be a great matchup for us river falls also has been a good rival for us because again they're 45 miles away those are kind of the top two dogs that we uh we go head to head with and, and uh there's a lot of uh, of good uh, energy in those games and the, uh, another reason there's a lot of great energy is because the crowds are big we have great crowds for those games because a lot of people can drive uh, to those games, and we, and we really enjoy it. And uh, UW Stout, certainly in, in, in its athletic program, and I think in the student body is large, at large, uh, you know, just being, I think, 70 miles from the Twin Cities pulls a lot of kids out of Minnesota, too. You know, we're, we're a situation where we're in a great location. You know, the cities are right there. Uh, we're 55 miles from Minneapolis. We've got Eau Claire, which is 25 miles where there are 80,000 people. So it's a great town to recruit to because, first of all, there's a lot of great players in Wisconsin, a lot of great players in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of people to talk to. And they're, 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 they're not all scholarship in terms of we're going to get one. But, they're, you know, I always tell people in our WIAC, 50% of the players in the WIAC have to be scholarship guys. And they come for other reasons. You know, they like the academics. They like the location. They like the staff. They like the school. Want to compete for national championships. Absolutely. And so... We, so those are the kind of guys at the WIAC, in order to be competitive, you have to have some scholarship guys. And if you get some scholarship guys, you're going to be pretty good. We know Whitewater has those all the time. Point certainly gets their share of them, and, and uh, Platteville and Oshkosh and everybody else is in, in that mix. So uh, it's important. Any extra pressure on you from the uh, administration after coming off that, uh, coming off the way that year went last year? You know, you know, there's always pressure. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, our athletic director Dewey Nats does a great job. He keeps us informed on what's going on, and, and uh, you know, we're really appreciative of him and our administration. You know, we just changed chancellors, uh, but of course, you know, uh, it, it's kind of like the great guard thing. I think Greg said it best. You know. The bottom line is they're going to do a national search. They're going to look look for somebody that's better. And even in my situation, you know, the bottom line is, it's still the, the bottom line is the bottom line. You want to win. And if we don't, if we don't get this, and everybody sees our youth. Everybody knows that we're building back to where we used to be. And if, but if you don't get it done, you know, someone else is going to come in and want to take your job. We get that. You know, you, you never you never take this job. The, the higher up the ladder you go, the closer you are to the door. And uh, all I know is our administration has been very fair. And, uh, you know, the, the, the communication lines are wide open. And, uh, you know, we just take it one game at a time, one day at a time, one season at a time. Yeah, you mentioned Greg Gard, I mentioned Bo Ryan, which made me think, you know, how much does the WIAC kind of revolve around what's going on at, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I call him UW-Madison for purposes of D3. First of all, you know, uh, both Greg and Bo have been so outstanding. And, you know, it got Jeter over at Milwaukee, and, and now you got Dark at, uh, over in uh, Green Bay. and. You know, this this state has been, and, and again, I can't speak for Minnesota with the Gophers or anything, but this state has really embraced, the D1s have embraced, uh, you know, the D3s and the NAIs. They've, they've really embraced us, and and for a good reason. It's the way it should be. You know, we're, we're, all, we're, we're all on the same level in terms of job security or lack thereof and wanting to win and wanting to run the best program and good academics, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, nobody, and nobody embraced that more than Bo did. And so we really appreciate him, always have appreciated him, you know, coming out of Platteville, and we've always pulled for him, and now we're certainly pulling for Greg. Uh, we want Greg to win, and I know this is going to be a, a tough pull, you know, transition because the deck, the stack, the deck, the deck is kind of stacked a little bit, but we'll see what happens. We certainly, uh, we certainly have a lot of respect and appreciation for Greg. 
So there you go from uh, Stout's coach. A great interview with Pat Coleman there, even talking about the influences of the D1s, et cetera, and how this program has turned around. Even asked the question about that pressure. 0-16 last year in the WIAC. Obviously can't do that this year. There's only 14 games in the conference. But Stout's a much better team uh, than last year. Uh, I can't remember the last time they went even that bad in the WIAC. I, I mean, I was doing some research, and I couldn't find a really rough season like that. But good to see them at the D3Hoops.com Classic. Good to see them moving forward and playing well. Um, and I think uh, good things are ahead for that program as well. They're fun fun to watch them. They'll start off uh, subbing every five guys every uh, every time they get a chance, and then slowly but surely it changes. Usually late in the first half and into the second half, it, it, it alters. Also wanted to bring you the Calvin interview. Talked to Kevin Vandestreek after their final game. It was the final game of the D3Hoops.com Classic in general. Talked to him about a couple of things, uh, especially about his team's um, season that he considers off, but how that's just really a kind of an optics thing. We also talked about being on the national committee. Here's my interview with Kevin Vandestreek of Calvin. Calvin, they come out here and play two games in less than 24 hours, and they had a tall task with White, uh, Whitworth, I should say, and then followed up with a, 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 a tough St. Vincent squad. And you come out of here 1-1 one and, one and and nearly made it 2-0 and oh with a really good game against Whitworth. Yeah, you know, come after Christmas, I always say my record after Christmas is about 10% wins because we have a week off, you yeah. know, and we came out here and we practiced Monday, it was all, and we had to change a few things. and. But I'm really happy. I, I'm, I love playing good teams. Uh, they point out what your weaknesses are, and we have some, and we know what to address. But I thought our guys played really hard and played pretty well. So hopefully we are uh, kind of on the upswing. It was interesting. Yeah, you, you said to me, and we're not the team I wanted to be here, and you, we weren't all that thrilled with it. But then you and I just before here was talking that you, you thought you guys played pretty well. Obviously, it's on your scale, the Calvin scale. But what, what does a week like this or two games like this do for you now that you start heading into MIA play? Yeah, I think it's got to give us a real shot of confidence. You know, we have two seniors, and they're really the only guys who have played extensively in the past. So, you know, we have a couple of transfers. We have some sophomores that didn't play much last year or at all. So just the experience factor, the team bonding stuff of being together, hanging together. Uh, you know, we did some fun stuff when we were here. but. Uh, hopefully we're building. I, the, the message I tried to, to get to our team right from the get-go was our first semester was about improvement. And so every day we practice, every day we play, hopefully we get better and, you know, hopefully we get to conference play, we'll, we'll have a shot at it at the end. You obviously lost a lot from last year's amazing run. Uh, and now you come back and, as you say, find your team. But you really did find some good players here this in these two games. And now you do head in an MIAA, which is top-heavy. I mean, you've got Hope up there trying, certainly going to be a tough team, and almost off to a great start. And you could probably talk about a few others in there. How, what do you take from this week? Can you tell these guys and take anything from this and, and get yourself ready for conference play or use it for conference play? Oh, I think definitely. Um, you know, we played Ohio Wesleyan early on, and they were ranked yep. somewhere in the top five at that point, and Whitworth is right about there. And to be able to say, look, we, we didn't beat either one of those teams, right. but Ohio Wesleyan was a five- or six-point game the whole way, lost by six. Whitworth was, you know, a little back and forth and, you know, kind of went down to one shot we had to, to send the game into overtime. So to be able to say, look, we can play with some of the best teams in the country, and now to repeat that performance and those efforts, of course, you need to do that uh, every night in our league. And um, 
hopefully we're progressing toward that. Another one that's considered the, up there in that realm of Ohio Wesleyan and, and Whitworth is obviously hoping your conference. You'll see them twice, including the, the, the season ender. Uh, I think it's at your place, if memory serves. Um, obviously, that's a big game in any, in any general sense. It's one of the biggest rivalries in all of college basketball. But knowing that you can play with Whitworth probably gives these guys even more confidence. I would think so, yeah. And we've seen hope. You know, we do some couple of classics yep. kind of with them. Yeah, so we've seen them play. Ago. And, and uh, again, early on when I looked at them, man, man we're a long way from where they are. Yeah. And uh, But I think we're making progress and taking steps to get there. You, you know, obviously you're on the national committee serving your, ooh, I keep forgetting, fourth year? Uh, or third, third year on the, on, the, on, the, on the committee. You had talked to me that thanks to some changes at the school, you got to come to this event. And as a result, you get to maybe see some teams you don't normally get to see. How much is that helpful for you as a committee member? Obviously there is no eye test necessarily, but now you can at least put names to faces and names to, to teams. Yeah, I think it's helpful. You know, we have just great people on the committee but yeah. when you have coaches you know that that see some teams around and again it's not an eye test we don't say boy they were really good they're <laughs> in or anything like that but you can use it to validate a little bit you know sometimes some teams have a you know high win-loss percent and a poor yeah. SOS or the other way around but um, sometimes you can use that to validate and and uh, yeah, it's really fun for us to play some different teams. These are we played Whitworth a couple of times mm -hmm. in my time, but not very often. First time to play St. Vincent, and you know they're a great program, and you know Scrappy. certainly in the in the top 20 all the time. Their program, and so yeah, it's great to see those teams. You get to see Ramapo, maybe understand the NJAC better, et cetera. Uh, by the way, the the committee chair is an old uh, former player of yours when you were an assistant, if memory serves, Brian Van Haften at BNF. Hard to take orders from him now? Well, you know, I got to keep him in line. There's no doubt about that. I, you know, I think everyone on the committee knows who the real brain trust no, I'm just kidding. I'm sure Brian's I'm listening kidding. now. I'm just kidding. No, he's phenomenal. He's just a great, great young man, and uh, he really gets it. You know, he's great with the bracketing stuff he's got a, a real sense of the national teams which I you know in all honesty coming on the committee I just didn't have that sure. I've not been around and seen those teams and so um, I've paid closer attention now but he's he's a great leader and and certainly a servant's heart to to do what's best for the basketball I should say the last few years on the committee it really seems like that has been the mentality to make sure everybody on the committee truly understands the national aspects of things the men's committee really seems to have taken that on as a mantle yeah I think so and you know great people so so when you're working with those with those people you trust what their opinions are there hasn't been one even sniff of someone trying to stick up for their own league or their own team or there hasn't been any of that and so when you have a group like that that's willing to work together and feels confident enough to voice their opinion um, even though it may not be accepted by the group that's a that's a great way to do it and and uh, i like the group very much our chat with uh brian uh, <laughs> brian van hafton he's the committee chair former player under assistant coach Vandestreek, Kevin Vandestreek from Calvin chatting there. Great chat with him. Great to see them in Vegas. Again, they don't think they're having a good season, but it's by their standards. I said to him, I said, listen, I know a lot of schools, and I've said it elsewhere, a few hundred schools who would love to have your record with your, with your schedule. Uh, they are a good basketball team who just doesn't have that one little 
maybe item or a player or ability to get to the over the hump on some of those closer games. They gave Whitworth all they could handle, uh, and they had a great game against St. Vincent, which they obviously came out victors. Don't be surprised if Calvin – I mean, Calvin's going to be in the mix at the top of the MIA. So is Alma. So is Trine. Hope's obviously the favorite. It's going to be a fascinating four-horse four, four horse race there, uh, to be sure. Uh, and then on the women's side of things, uh, lots to, to cover there. Um, I wanted to hear from Beth. Well, I have available for us the Bethel coach, Bethel's women's coach. Talked to uh, Pat. Talked to him, um, Herbixmeyer, about not only playing George Fox but getting into the Mayak, different schedule, et cetera, et cetera. And here's what he had to say. Also at the hoops, so D three hoops dot com classic. Talking with John Herbricksmeyer, the head coach at Bethel University in your fourteenth season, and uh, team comes away with a one and one split, having beat Millsaps uh, in the first game of the tournament, and then coming back with a hard fought loss to the third ranked uh, Bruins of George Fox. And coach, even though you know you guys won the first game, lost the second, really felt like uh, you know the Royals played a much more complete game, a much more complete team the second time around. Without a doubt. We're a little disappointed that we didn't handle George Fox's pressure better early, but we had 16 halftime turnovers and only six in the second half. We're not going to see that level of pressure from anybody in the MIAC that's that deep and consistently presses that way. That's made us better. Their matchup zone is, is really tough. That will only make us better down the road. And really, right now, it's to get ready for conference. And this was a great opportunity for our kids to see a, a top five team from another part of the country. And what a great opportunity you've provided for us. Thank you. Yeah, well, you're welcome. We're, we're First of all, I mean, we're very glad that you guys came. Uh, we're glad, always glad when a team is, is interested in, in playing top flight competition and we have a game to provide, uh, provide you in, in, in that vein. So we appreciate that. Um, it seemed like uh, first uh, in the first quarter or early on in the game, uh, they out rebounded you really well. You mentioned the turnovers. Uh, you kind of slowly erased that rebounding uh, advantage, and then you know started taking better care of the basketball. And then in the end, uh, when you guys were battling back into it, George Fox just kind of lit it up from three point range at the end. They they made threes. We went zone because of a lot of foul trouble, right. and yeah. and I don't like to go zone out of. I consider that kind of out of weakness, out of necessity. Yeah. But the fouls were were really troubling, and then for a while it worked and then and they got a little bit hot and I, I thought really number 31 Toriyama was really the difference in the game she she hit at least three or four buzzer beating shots at least three of them were threes where we've played great defense for an entire possession we get a hand in the and she makes it and, and I just told the kids I said that's the difference in the game and that's a bench player for them that's a starter on any other team in the Mayak and she's the difference in the game. We did a lot of the things we felt like we needed to do in the second half to be back in the game. We just couldn't account for her. I think one of the bright sides for you guys here this week is uh, the return of Callie Zimmerman. So, you know, obviously 24 points here in this game, uh, fantastic performance from the foul line. Uh, but, you know, how close is she? Is that 100%? Is that the, the her full, full true to form? She's not 100% because she still can't go enough minutes. I think physically she's she's really close to being back. And with her playing that way, I, I think we can be the team we thought we'd be in, within our own conference. We still need Callie and Rachel to kind of get themselves in full game shape. They're starting to get there, but they just they have moments where they're out there 
and they, they don't pursue rebounds probably because of conditioning. Maybe they don't rotate and go block or alter a shot that, you know, with a little better conditioning that is completely understandable off the injuries, I think will be that much stronger. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what's going on with Rachel Perepsky, right? She's the 2013 D3Hoops.com National Rookie of the Year, uh, but really kind of looked like a shell of herself here this week. Well, she's coming off a knee injury, and just I think a lot of it, it's more mental than physical right now. She just has to get through the mental block of I, I can move on that leg. It, she sustained a pretty significant injury the fifth day of practice and has been cleared to play, but her mobility just isn't quite what it is most of the time. And, and it, it looks like she has good days and bad days. Like today was not a particularly good day for her, just mobility-wise. When, when her mobility's there, she's one of the elite bigs in the entire country, let alone the conference. Yeah, it's a pretty high expectations for you guys this year, especially in the conference, uh, being voted the preseason number one in the MIC. I know preseason is now like yeah. almost three months ago, but uh, you know, uh, St. Thomas lost so much from last year. Uh, you guys went to the NCAA tournament, have all of these key players back, and now you come back in at five and five, two and two in the conference, and uh, obviously some of those expectations are tempered. Uh, they're not really tempered. Okay. We're, we're, we're two and two. Yeah. We still want to win the league. We've got 14 uh, games left. Yeah, yeah we, we've got 14 games left. Every team in the conference except for St. Mary's has a loss. So we feel like we're set up in a, in a good position. Obviously, some big games after Christmas. We're going to play a quality Northwestern team who's a contender in the UMAC. And then St. Olaf with only one conference loss. And St. Thomas who, you know, Somehow. got yeah. one of the other favorites to win it in the first week we're back. This has prepared us well for that, you know, to, to play this level of competition. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about Molly O'Toole. I know you and I have talked about uh, her contribution and her addition to the squad uh, off camera, but uh, tell us a little bit about how she got to you guys. Well, we recruited her heavily out of high school, played at, you know, state championship Hopkins program in Minnesota. Great player, great family. I'd recruited an older sister. I mean, Molly and I go way back. The bottom line was out of high school, so I think a lot of the decision was financial and we didn't come through with a great aid package and so St. Mary's won out, had a great freshman year and then her coach left to go to a Division II program and I got the phone call from her in the middle of the night out in Washington DC while I was on vacation and she actually was already at St. Mary's and said, this isn't where I want to be if my coach isn't going to be here. So it's it's been a, a boon for us and given all the injuries we've had it's been really difficult to sort of reintegrate the, the injured players when we were already we're trying to figure out who we were going to be with her but it's just going to take time now that we have Callie back and Rachel back I think we'll have a solid 10 player rotation and Molly's certainly a huge part of that. Guard play uh, here in this game obviously was not stellar for you guys. I know uh, you mentioned, and of course it's true, the MIAC is not going to press you guys uh, like uh, George Fox did, but where do you see uh, the, the backcourt play improving for you guys? Well, second half was more who we are. First half, they got us a little bit, but, well, they sped us up, and we just didn't stay within the principles of what we were trying to do, and that created a lot of turnovers for us. I have a lot of faith in particularly our senior guards, Hannah Ewald and Sid Schultz. I'm, I'm sure they had a bunch of turnovers tonight, but I'm not. Yeah, well, everybody did. So. Yeah, so I, uh, there, there was, we'll spread the wealth there. I, I'm, long story short, I'm not concerned about it in the long run. They're, they'll be fine. 
Uh, Angie Kirkhoff is a sophomore, will be fine. Abby Miller played one of her best games. She transferred from St. Ben's, another kid that, you know, trying to find her way in the culture of what we do. And uh, she's really started, she's really played well here, and that's only going to make us better in the long run. Uh, the MIAC sometimes can be a bit of a grind, you know, uh, teams in the metro area don't necessarily have to travel as much, but you have often, uh, you know, do you still have Monday, Wednesday, Saturday weeks sometimes where you're playing three games? Not anymore. We, we switched to the new 18-game model, and that took away all the Mondays. So on the women's side, we have none of those Mondays that can create the five games a nine-day scenario yeah. that used to be commonplace in the old 22-game schedule. So that that is a real blessing, particularly with the team that... You know, it's coming off some injuries and trying to get fully healthy. That will help us a lot to just have a regular Wednesday, Saturday schedule. And I know you understand the benefit of having seven non-conference games to schedule instead of three and what that can do for you in terms of uh, selection possibilities for the tournament. Oh, without a doubt. A year ago, if we don't have the extra games in California yeah. against quality West region opponents, we don't get an at-large bid. And this game, even though it's a loss, I told our kids, I said, we're George Fox fans the rest of the season. We're Millsaps fans because we want them to drive our strength of schedule. And that's why we chose to come out and play in a tournament like this. Once again, uh, Pat Coleman talking to uh, Coach Herbert Spire of Bethel. Uh, team played well. Uh, listen, it's going to be an interesting Mayak race. St. Thomas, on the flip side, lost two games uh, during the holidays, um, both at Wartburg. And Warp, I didn't tell you. The interview we had at the beginning of the show, Wartburg Tournament. Insane! Three top 10 teams there. Warburg, the only non-top 10 team there. They are certainly going to be top 25 ranked tomorrow when the top 25 poll comes out in the evening. Um, but nonetheless, uh, thank you to those coaches. You can watch all of the interviews at the D3Hoops.com Classic. If you'd like, you can simply go to D3Hoops.com. On the top of the page, you can go to the News column and click on D3Hoops.com Classic or go to D3Hoops.com slash Classic. Those are your two ways to do it. Interviews are at the bottom of the page. Hope you enjoyed them. Millsaps was at the tournament. I want to thank Millsaps. Sent us a nice card, um, which basically said, thank you for everything. Uh, says, uh, share these shirts with whoever you'd like. Thanks for all you do to promoting D3 Hoops. They sent us four T-shirts. Ah, I have it upside down. Let's try that again. Four T-shirts. I think one of them was sizing up just enough for my son or daughter. I don't remember who, but one of them got the shirt. So we have these. We're coming up with an idea. We've got these shirts. Uh, some of them fit. Let's see. This one will fit. <laughs> so I will wear them on occasion. Those of those who don't fit or we've worn a lot or we have extras, we're thinking of coming up with another plan for them. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We're looking forward to maybe putting that together in the near future and decorating uh, the studio a little bit more. As you can see, Studio's a little in disarray. We usually have a nice big D3 hoop sign over here. We haven't been able to get it back uh, hung since we took it to Salem because it has the football on the other side. Um, but you'll notice a new banner back here. We, we got this back from the D3hoops.com Classic. First time in six years we got banners back. I can't believe I got this on the plane and back. It's large. It's, it's thick. It's not easy to transport. I have another one that I was able to get back to. We will decorate the studio in some capacity. Also got a wonderful email that I've yet to reply to. And, and if you are listening, sir, I do apologize. But I want to thank so much um, Sean Cavanaugh. Uh, I am opening the email now so that I can reply to it tonight before I forget. 
offered a wonderful gesture of sending us something for our studio. We look forward to it whenever it arrives. I want to thank Sean for the idea. I will email you back, Sean, if you are listening. If you haven't gotten that email already, you will get it from me saying we would love to have it. It just was very busy. I got it right after I returned from Stag Bowl, getting ready for Christmas and getting ready for the D3Hoops.com Classic. I then fell under the weather. It was just crazy. I just And I didn't want to reply via my phone. I didn't want to have a from iPhone on there. So I wanted to be a little bit more personable uh, considering how nice the email was to us. I will get back to you. Per all that, we will be probably doing a, uh, well, we're planning on doing another Hoopsville fundraiser mainly because we've had requests from you and from coaches on whether we were doing it and encouraged us to do it. We will probably do it for more than last year, but less than the very first year and see where it goes. The NABC has been helpful. We are uh, and helping us with travel this year a little bit. We will be heading out uh, to Texas. We hope in a couple of weeks I'm finalizing those details for the NCAA convention, but I will take advantage of it because it happens to be some basketball will be played in the area. We will take advantage of seeing some teams that I haven't seen either in their gym or seen ever uh, in person. I've seen them on video, just not in person. Looking forward to that coming up, but the fundraiser will help with that as well. Got lots coming up as well. Well, uh, at least Gordon and I will be making the trip to uh, Indianapolis for the women's championship game. We're still working the details out, trying to figure out what our role and capacities will be, because that depends on how much gear I then haul with me, uh, and figure that out. Also trying to figure out hoops fill for that. If you remember before Atlanta, we, we stayed on the air um, with shows every week after that. To be honest with you, we didn't have enough content to pull that off. Uh, we did do it for the All-Americans. Maybe we'll do that again with the women. I don't know. We'll figure that all out. But we will do at least, um, well, we'll at least wrap up the show like we normally do. We may do one more show previewing the Final Four. Not sure yet. Lots to figure out. But stay with us. There's a lot to, obviously, between now and then. Uh, and again, as we mentioned earlier, the marathon will be back on the air at the end of, of January as well. I want to thank all of you who tuned in. I want to thank all of all the guests who joined us. Bob Amesbury from Wartburg. I want to thank um, um, Dixie Jeffers from Capital. And, of course, Frank Marcinic from um, Susquehanna. I want to thank all the coaches and student-athletes out of the D3Hoops.com Classic who were willing enough to be interviewed by Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, myself, and Justin Sweeney. We had a blast. Uh, and, again, you can see all those interviews if you want. We appreciated taking some of the time to re-air them tonight. Uh, I want to thank all the sports information directors who helped us out with tonight's show, uh, especially those like Ryan Gasser at Capitol, who took the time, and a Katie Joe at Warburg, who took the time as well out of their busy schedules. That's going to wrap it up for us. A reminder, Thursday's show will air at 7, but it will be pre-taped. I have another conflict um, at the exact same time. So we will pre-tape the show, put it all together, put it up on the web, and have it launch at 7 o'clock. So you'll have something to watch at 7 o'clock on Thursday. We hope you'll take the time. We'll be back on the air live again next Sunday. Then, assuming we're on the road for the uh, for the NCAA convention, we'll do something probably booked together again for that following Thursday as well. If you've got questions for us, have guest ideas, anything in the meantime, interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's going to wrap up another Hoopsville. I am sure we've missed something that happened in the last few weeks that we have not talked about. But before we go, and if we did, we apologize. There's just so much we can get to. But before we go, I wanted to mention the new Paltz men's basketball team. My hearts and thoughts are with them, and they are going through a rough period of time. A few days ago, well, maybe longer than that, we were in Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic. 
Three of their players en route to a practice at an off-site location were in a car accident when one, the car they were driving in was uh, riding in, I should say, uh, lost control for whatever varying reasons and slammed into a, main, in, into a big truck, like a box truck, injuring all three on board. Two of them were released from the hospital and had been cleared to practice. The third is fighting um, to make a full recovery. Don't know more than details on that than at least I'm allowed to say, or should say. Team canceled their game, postponed their game against Kane. Looks like it will be canceled just due to conflicts. That game was supposed to be played on Saturday. Team got back on the court for the first time since that incident in about five or some odd days to practice with Coach uh, Rijek. Um, that practice took place uh, today or yesterday. I've lost track of time. I apologize. But it certainly make, gives you pause. Um, again, um, the young man is in the hospital and hoping to make a full recovery, but it's not going to be easy. We wish our, our best to him, um, and we certainly wish the best to the team, who certainly has a new focus now at New Paul's men's basketball. They understand a little bit more about what's really at stake in life, and it's really a game. And while we celebrate the student-athletes and the coaches and the games and everybody else involved in Division Three, in reality, it's a game. And I think the New Paul's men's basketball team has a whole new appreciation for that. Want to wish them the best. We hope them the best the rest of the season. We really hope them the best the rest of the way and hope they do well. We know the SUNYAC is pulling for you. You know the East Region's pulling for you. You know those of us here at D3 Hoops are pulling for you. The rest of the country pulling for you as well. Good luck the rest of the season. We hope to see you doing well. We'll touch base with the New Paltz men's basketball team down the road. That's going to do it for us. And with our thoughts on the New Paltz, New Paltz men's basketball team, we sign off. You've been listening to Hoops. We'll presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We'll see you back here Thursday night. Good night, everybody.